Hey guys, it's Thursday. This is a waste of time with It's the Real, and it is day number four of February. Surprise. Surprise, it's February, and surprise, we've got another episode for you. But maybe it's not a surprise anymore. Well, at this point, maybe maybe, maybe you're right, Jeff. Should we rename it? February, just another day where It's the Real drops an episode. We have today on the podcast the A&R, Nigel Talley. Maybe you know him online as at NYGiant. But before we get into this episode... I would like to tell the people a little something. Now, whether you've been rocking with us for nearly a decade, or if you're just brand new to us thanks to this very here podcast, Jeff and I appreciate you. Look, we're we're two kids who grew up loving hip-hop music and hip-hop culture, and we're so grateful to be 10 years in and having carved our own lane within this world, whether it was weekly sketch videos, absurdist interviews, podcasts like this one or music videos you guys have been there to support to spread the word and to push us forward in just a few weeks we are going to be living out our dream and headlining headlining sobs here in new york city it is called your girls tour you know who's been on that stage everybody from kanye drake john legend two chains riff raff and these two idiots and having attended a million concerts at sobs over the last 10 years we know what kind of opportunity this is and we've been working so very hard over the last two months getting ready for what is going to be an unforgettable night so here's the thing we don't just want to show up on february 23rd like we've done our whole career Let's all aim for the sky and let's sell SOBs out. And this is where you can help. New York City. Brooklyn. The Bronx. Westchester. New Jersey. Connecticut. And beyond. If you love It's The Real, even if you just like It's The Real, if you appreciate what we bring to the game, if our podcast is the soundtrack to your commute, if we bring laughs to an otherwise shitty day, show us some love for this concert and buy your tickets today to your girls tour on February 23rd. Tickets are literally the price of a movie and please know that this night will be a movie. So go right now to itstherial.com and let's make history together. Jeff, we got Nigel Talley in the building today. Yes, Nigel Talley, who... Literally dropped out of school and showed up on the No Way Out tour in 1997. So we're talking Puff Daddy. We're talking Mace. We're talking, oh man, Rough uh, Riders. We're talking yeah. Shine. We're talking. There's a lot, a lot, getting a lot. stuck in St. Louis. All that. There's a lot to talk about in this episode. And by the way, he's been working ever since then in the business. So there's a lot of material to cover, and I think we got to a lot of it. Yeah, Pharrell. Talk about Q-Tip. This is our guy, Nigel Talley. He's guy. everybody's guy. Our guy. When do you want to get into this episode? Uh, right now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. Keeping It 100, a.k.a. Terrible Batting Average. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. All Been My Grill, a.k.a. Bugs. Hey, yo, what's up? It's <laughs> Nigel, a.k.a. Bring the Donuts, because I got some dough. Yeah. This is a waste of time with this for real. Whoa. That was crazy. Nice. What's happening? Yo, wow. You're I'm the one like, who has coffee, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> you woke me up more than a coffee did. That was ill. Does so that wait. bring you back to the uh, Bronx? That Yeah, it brought me back in the Bronx for sure. But wait, it actually brought me to a club that they was shooting at. But really? <laughs> nah, I'm joking. Oh, yeah. but <laughs> how often do you guys practice that? Is that just like Johnny on the spot, wherever you at? I'm going to be honest. Right before, when Eric was saying his AKA, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know mine. <laughs> 
because because so I, I had, saw him think. We just actually witnessed him thinking about yes, the yeah, AKA yeah. moment. Yes, and you got it. Yeah, correct. So you've never been that AKA before today. Never. And no. wow. think about it, that's a hundred and something episodes of this. That's all the MTV interviews that we've done. That's wow. like different interviews. Yeah. That's amazing. So also, what episode number is this? This oh. is uh, we don't know. It's a hundred. It's over a hundred episodes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. we also recorded one today. Yeah. <laughs> Earlier today. Yeah. Yes, correct. Um, so you did another AK for that. We yeah. did, yeah. Wow. You guys are incredible. It's man. just a lot of like a lot of time spent thinking of this like I, I can't lie to you. I'm just in I'm just in awe, but I'm also now looking forward to listening you to guys every single album. one. <laughs> oh yeah. You guys album. Yeah. yeah. Listen. Uh, I hope oh, that Oh shit well, Did I give something away was no, I- no, 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 no 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 It's, it's out there Yeah okay uh, good February 23rd Yay yeah. <laughs> SOBs It's nice to have other people Promoting See, our shit it, bro. I'm ready I didn't RSVP But I don't have a problem Paying to get in bro. Oh, no, bring you th- donor, Thank you for that I'll pay no, man th- Support th- You gotta you. sell tickets People no. need to realize you, Your friends are your friends I'm gonna be your friend No matter what mm-hmm. But you need support Yes no. Selling tickets means business So it's it's funny Because we are a very Industry based uh, Operation here 100%. But it will be nice To see who has Uh bought tickets and who has come out to really support yeah right? if i was you guys i would send send a mass email out today be like you know what i had a great conversation with a good friend of mine he said if you are really my friends and family you're gonna come and support yeah. me and buy it <laughs> not try to get it for free because the whole industry is always trying to get in some place for free it's drink true for free everything yeah. for free yeah no let's get back and support our own i'm buying my ticket thank you thank Nigel. you Nigel. thank you we really yeah. appreciate that well thank you guys for having me also no. i wish i knew what episode it was but i'm just happy to be here <laughs> well only because we uh we don't know yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love it but uh, i'm sure you guys can get an intern to go back through them if you you know what's funny about that is we had an intern um when we were doing sketches the snl type sketches we had an intern mm-hmm. because like he was a friend of the family yeah and we've interned too but yeah. we wanted to be like the nice sort of bosses and we're like yeah, which is not by the way that bites you in the ass yeah, yeah. not the way oh, to do it I, can we curse it yeah, oh, yeah of, course. of course yeah fuck yeah yeah anyway <laughs> but we had we had him up here and he didn't know anything about hip-hop he didn't know anything about the internet and uh, so we decided that it was our job to like do everything with him like we were like oh like we'll we'll all learn about hip-hop together <laughs> we'll all learn about <laughs> yeah. the internet and like, so like gave him like books and like you know yeah. he didn't get it no yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it wasn't yeah. for him no, no. Everything... and since then since we've actually needed an intern we've never gotten one wow yeah really yeah i mean wow. people have like asked and we've just been like no yeah did you intern yeah so 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 you, the craziest thing about my story is that you know I always had uh, love for music. So I I was in high school. I went to high school in the Bronx, Roosevelt High School, one of the worst high schools in the Bronx, probably one of the first high schools with metal detectors. So, you know, just because you're from the ghetto, you don't have to keep your mind in the ghetto. Right. Mm-hmm. So my thing was I, I went to school there and, you know, it, I wanted to be in the music some way, shape, or form, but I didn't really know how to break into it. So I remember uh, Rosie Perez and crazy thing is she's still my friend my dear friend today you went to high school together no no oh, no. okay damn don't don't fucking think like that <laughs> shit she came to my school to do like a visit to talk to like some of the good kids yeah mm-hmm. and for whatever reason i got in trouble this day so they sent me to the principal's office so, so this is out of character for you <laughs> nah, <it's pretty> <laughs> but my thing was i had the juice with the principal normally they send you to the dean's office the counselor but if i had an issue i went to the count i went to the principal mm-hmm. That's a different story. <laughs> so uh, 
So I, I'm in here watching her talk to these kids. Make a long story short, she's talking to all the good kids, and I'm saying to the principal, this is stupid. Like, she's talking to all the kids that are already in the right direction. The kids that need her are the kids like me or the other kids that are born leaders but just have a little conflict or have attitudes and just need a little shaping up. Mm-hmm. And her assistant at the time was this lady named Jackie. Jackie heard me and was like, she went and whispered something to Rosie. Rosie came over to the side and said something to me. She's like, you know, what do you do? I'm like, I do this, I do that. I'm great with numbers. I just stand a third. And she's like, you know what? We're going we gonna to look at some cool places today. You should come with us. And, you know, I had the juice. So my the principal just called my mother and said, yo, we're going to send him out. She said, all right, no problem. So that particular day, we went to MTV Studios. What? Whoa. Yeah, we went to MTV uh, I saw I met Ice Cube that day because he was on Yo MT. He was doing an episode of Yo MT Raps with with uh, Ed Love and Dr. Dre. Oh my God! I met. We went. That was the early part of the day. Then we went to the set of uh, New York Undercover. Oh my God! Then we went to Uptown Records. All in one day. This is so much Instead better than the principal's school? office. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. I'm like, I could be in the hood, or I would have just walked out of school. But I'm like, you know, let me just go to the office. God was just on my side that day, so I went to the principal's office. We kicked it, and I'm talking about to this day, Rosie Perez and I are still friends. She That's calls me awesome. on New Year's, like, yo, we need to get together. Like, Crazy. So, so my point is, I went to all these places, and I said, yeah, you know what? I want to do this music shit. Let me just try to figure it out. So then Rosie said, listen. I'm just going to point you in a direction, but I can't do it for you, which is the best thing you're supposed to do for, you know, young, up-and-coming people. If you really want to be somewhere, you got to get there. Like, your mommy and daddy can't do it for you. Right. So she pointed me to me. Uh, she sent me to, to MTV to uh, take a meeting with a guy by the name of Jack Benson. Now, Jack Benson, if you Google him, he's he's produced, like, the Reverend Run show and a bunch of shows for MTV, like, for years. Mm-hmm. So Jack and I sat down and... He's like, yeah, I like you. I think you have the, you know, you, you seem focused and you have direction, but it's not I can do for you. Shut the door in my face. It was cool. Damn. Then I went to Tracy Waples. Tracy yeah. Waples worked at Def Jam, and she's been in the business for years. Mariah Carey gave her the biggest shout-out because she was a, a great marketing person uh, at one point in time, one of those award shows. So Tracy Waples worked at EMI, and at the time, she had just signed the kid Milkbone. You guys remember Milk? Mm-hmm. I know the name. Milkbone is, yeah. I would one of the first white rappers that was like putting it down. Hmm. Milkbone. You can tell by the name. Yeah, <laughs> super old. It's like Milkbone, Snow, like anything, early. Vanilla yeah, Ice. Super it's like you have to like wear your white, white and your white. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You got to identify. Like, yeah. You know I'm white. Yeah. So um, I sat with her. She was super dope. She saw where I wanted to go to. And, you know, Grace, like, thankful to God that we're still friends today. Like, you know what I mean? So. She closed the door on me also. <laughs> I went through like five different joints that they slammed the door on me. And I'm just like, you know what, man? Fuck this music shit. Let me go uptown. And, you know, I was doing what I had to do. Mm-hmm. But I was going to school and doing what I had to do on the side. Mm-hmm. You were good <clears> with numbers. <throat> yeah, I was doing numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So, but light numbers. Not, yeah, none yeah, of, no. yeah, but just numbers so I could, you know, be comfortable eating City Island every weekend and just do what people in the Bronx did. Yeah. yeah. Get that seafood at City Island? Seafood. Yeah. The whole time. And <laughs> yeah. Sammy's, too. You, It's either you go to the cheap one at the end or you go to Sammy's. If you had a couple bucks, you was in Sammy's. So I was in Sammy's. But uh, long story short, I, I did an internship with uh, a label called Stepson. Yeah. Stepson had some uh, some old dudes. I hate saying stuff like this because just, it just outdates me, man. But they had a Trouble Neck Brothers, Miss Jones. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. AZ had uh, I believe AZ had a situation with them before he went to EMI. Right. And believe it or not, I did my internship with 
another guy who's pretty big, a guy by the name of DJ Scribbles. Yeah. Yeah. So Scribbles and I, we did an internship at the same time at that label. The craziest thing in the world. So let's go back. Where in the Bronx are you from? I'm from Burnside Avenue. Burnside and Anthony Avenue. Burnside so and Anthony. Like, it's in between Fordham Road and Tremont Avenue. Mm-hmm. If you're on the if you're on the D line, right. right? So Burnside and Anthony Avenue is my stomping. Ground. And when you're growing up, um, how much family do you have around you? Uh, at first, it was my mom and I, mm-hmm. and then you know my family's from Jamaica. Okay, I'm the first generation born here. So my mom, she got you know she sent for you have to send you have to. Send, Put the the right paperwork in. Yeah. So she sent for my grandmother first. Mm-hmm. Then she sent for my aunt. Then she sent for my other aunt. Then my other aunt came. With my little cousin. So at, at one point, we went from living in a house with two of us to then living in a house with like eight people. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, but I always had my. So I had my own room. But then you, my you state your claim. Oh, yeah, early. Yeah, 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 yeah. Early for out the gate. I'm a serious yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah. You know, from a kid, I've been a serious guy. This is my ball. They knew. Don't touch that ball. <laughs> This shit is clean. Right. We play with the dirty ball until yeah. I say you can play with that ball. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, so we started out. So my grandmother and I shared a room, but, you know, she was she was actually became my strength, my grandmother. It's about eight of us in the house at one point. Eight of you it in got the house. Real. And, yeah. and what is your block like? Oh, so my block. You also know, Jamaican or? No, no. So, so my block was predominantly uh, Puerto Rican people. Mm-hmm. So it was black. It was like let's say if it was on a percentile, it was like sixty percent Puerto Rican, you know, thirty percent black, and like ten percent Dominican. Mm-hmm. So you can't put Dominican and Puerto Rican the same because they hate each other. Mm-hmm. Go at, especially in the early, you know, what I'm saying early '80s and mid '80s and '90s, they just hate yeah. each other. I Even mean, now, I, they I, still don't like each other, but it's not as bad as it was back then. I've seen West Side Story. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there you go. There you go. So, so my area was pretty. It was pretty diverse. But, but per, and then and then so it was like the OGs. Then it was like the young thugs. Then it was like the the, the athletic kids. Then it was like the fly kids. And it was like the super just want to be down for whatever kids. Mm-hmm. So I kind of fit with all of that. And I think my character who I am today is because you know I I've ran in so many different circles from mm-hmm. young. So it's kind of embedded in me specific things. You're an only child. Only child from my mom. From your mom. Yeah, but my dad had five of us. And your dad was not with you when you were growing up. Nah. My, so who was your father figure? So my father figure was my my mother and my my mother was my father and my mother. But you know, at a certain point, you you know, a woman can't teach men certain things. So I had a best friend growing up. His name is Manny. He's still alive now, but we we're just not as tight as we were at one point. But Manny's father was like my father. He he actually instilled, you know, principles and just manly things that a man should know how to do. Like I got that from him. And mind you, this man is he wasn't college educated. He he dropped out of school at I wanna say like he told me he dropped out of school in like the sixth grade oh to start God. working. Wow. So he went from, you know, working hard, working hard. He instilled working hard in me. But keep in mind we all lived so one summer it was the summer of i think it was 90 or 91 you know 91 i just started high school so i just dated myself like, who gives a fuck? <laughs> you don't so look this, by the way you look this. super young yeah i know it yeah, should yeah. be said Thank you. yeah i work out yeah. <laughs> so let's just say this one summer we all live in the same area and that same like meaning like maybe 
Three months into the three weeks into the summer, they moved to Yonkers on Central Avenue, bought a house, in ground pool and everything. Yeah. He was killing it, but he was selling drugs. But yeah. he was just like another level of selling drugs. But as a kid, you don't really know what anybody does. You don't really care what other people's parents do. You right. just know that they close the door when you go in the house and yeah. you don't know what's happening back there. You don't really care. But he made me the hustler I am and made me the family man I am. So if it was somebody that I'm going to credit to being a father figure to me, it would be to my man Manny's father. His name was Flacco. And when they moved, how'd you get up to Yonkers to visit? Oh, now they, that's, I'm trying to tell you, they were loaded. Yeah. They were loaded to us. So when we had to get there, when we had to get there, initially, they would send, we'd just take cabs there. Whoa. But then it got to a point where they felt like, you know, you guys, are, you guys don't understand the dollar because Manny spent money like it was crazy. So <laughs> we used to take the four train. Mm-hmm. The four train is on Jerome Avenue. So you walk to Burnside, jump on the four. You take the four to the last stop, which is Woodlawn. Yeah. Then from Woodlawn, you jump on the one of those bus. <laughs> yeah. <on> bus. <laughs> and the bus would take you all through Yonkers, Central Avenue, and straight to the house. And then we'd have to walk up the hill. Oh, man. Did you we, ever go to Nobody Beats the Wiz? Nobody Beats the The Wiz is on Fordham Road. But it was also on Central Avenue. It was? Yeah. No, I don't I don't remember. I don't think it was there when we were, when when he lived there like in the 90s. See, Maybe now you're aging yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah. So the funny story is when we stopped taking the trains because one night Manny and I were walking to the train and these kids like so picture you walking straight, you just see somebody behind you out of nowhere. Then as you, you know, you look across the street, there's one guy walking that way. Then it's another guy walking in front of you. So they were like they were gonna like do the triangle offense, mm-hmm. offense. Yep. but really a defense, like, mm-hmm. box us in. Grace of God, Manny's cousin happened to be walking up the block and saw us. And at this point, we had our uh, triple fat gooses on. Like back in the days, you had a triple fat goose the trench. Yeah, mm-hmm. use the shit. Yeah. yeah, Manny had the joint with the leather joint. I had a regular one, but it was a serious <laughs> thing. We were the two men yeah. to get those things. It yeah. was a serious thing. We were out here. Manny's father heard about that, and we never took the train ever again. It's like, fuck, <laughs> take the cabs. Matter of fact, Manny's 15. We bought him a Cherokee. So we was riding Ooh. around here yeah, early. Manny was 15 and got a Cherokee? 15 and got a Cherokee. Yo. <laughs> Man, you listen, I'm telling you, back in the days, I'm just thinking about it now, like, Every Christmas, my man Manny probably his uncle, one uncle would give him a thousand dollars. So picture you being nine years old. Picture so me being thirty-two years old. One year old than me. He's one exactly. So listen to what I'm trying to tell you. We're kids, like literally thirteen, fourteen. Every year, one particular uncle gave him a thousand dollars cash. Another uncle gave him like five hundred. So this kid is probably twelve years old with like. Twenty-eight thousand dollars under his mattress. That's so much gas money at that point. Yeah. It's a lot of money now. And he's now. fifteen. He can't How even drive. People now that don't have twenty-eight thousand dollars in their account, like Yo. Get that under his mattress. What kind of cassettes were you guys bumping back then in that oh, Cherokee? Oh man, we were really big on NWA. Yeah, like NWA, like because he had we had a great sound system in the car, like really loud. So we like sh- we like shit that had a lot of bottom. Yeah. So we was crazy about NWA. We actually crazy about Luke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Luke shit was retarded back then. Um, who else? Damn, you. I'm I'm drawing a blank right <laughs> off top. But we listen to everything, even like uh, Brand Nubian shit was crazy. Mm-hmm. Marriage J. Blige had that. I remember that's when Puff and her first hooked up. Would drop that. What's the four one? Yeah, yep. the shit was retarded. So we were listening Keith Murray shit. We now that it's, it's all coming yeah. back. Red Man. We we lived by Red Man. Yeah, lived by Red. So Man. It's, a, it's a lot of like harder stuff. Like, did you ever get into the sort of more like danceable like DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince? Fuck no. <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> Jazzy Devin and Fresh. Fuck no. 
I mean, keep in mind, I just started really appreciating the Fresh Prince of Bel Air like five or six years ago. You know what I really? mean? Really? Like, as a kid, like, well, you were a Martin I didn't guy. Want to watch that shit. <laughs> I was a Martin yeah. guy, bro. <laughs> I didn't even watch the Huxtables. How about that? Whoa! I didn't grow up on the Huxtables. Well, it's right. because they were from Brooklyn. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Also, I det- I was a little envious because mm-hmm. those kids had both their parents. One one mm-hmm. parent was a doctor. One parent was a lawyer. It's like, yeah. what the fuck? Right. Ninety percent of the kids in our area were grew. We grew up in single parent homes. Yeah. Not not. I didn't say. I didn't. Ninety percent. So even if I say eight, eighty percent. So that means eight out of ten of us mm-hmm. grew up like that. That being said, Fresh Prince didn't grow up with either of his parents. Yeah. Uh-huh. But <laughs> he grew up with. Yeah. He grew up with those. His, his you know, yeah, fucking and uncle in a and fucking like his, mansion yeah, in Beverly Hills. And, so yeah. I think he's doing fine. Yeah. So you're talking about Roosevelt is one of the one of the most like horrible schools. That's correct. Metal detectors. That's correct. Is it? I mean, like, like we're talking like Lean on Me, like. Um, oh yeah, hundred. So funny you say that because so the school just picture it's like forty five hundred kids in the school. I think it was forty five hundred. Jesus. Something like that. So each classroom is like 40 kids in a classroom. Yeah. 40 kids. Yeah. Real shit. So, you know, fast forward, uh, you know, we had a, a two or three principals just couldn't really control the school. And like in the schools, it's like the hood. So it's gangs. If you're part of a gang, you kind of move in the school and get shit done in a certain kind of way. But, you know, then it's guys that kind of, the athletes that kind of move and they get a respect because they're athletes. Then it's like the cool kids, same setup. So we were just a part of a crew that we we just moved. We didn't believe in being in the gang because if I'm in the gang, that means I need help to, to stand on my own. So I'm not, I'm never going to, you know, I don't fault anybody that joins the gang, but it's just not for me. Right. Mm-hmm. So a new principal came to the school. I forget the year it was, but her name was Thelma Baxter. She comes from the the school of joe clark she worked under joe clark holy cow yeah so just picture one day you're in the school lounging hat on just comfortable (laughs) then the next day you walk in a walk in you lounging and some lady short lady comes in and smacks your hats off your head like she was literally grabbing people smack yelling at people on the spot like unbelievable so i heard about this and i was in the lunchroom and i'm like really like (laughs) who is this lady i gotta so mind you one of the security guards my man if you learn how to hustle, yeah. you learn in the in the high school cafeteria. That's where you learn how to play spades. You learn mm-hmm. how to life. You learn life. Kick yeah. game to bitches, all that type shit. Fast forward, one of the security guards said, oh, look, that's the principal right there. That's the new lady. Like, yo, y'all should get out of here. I'm like, get out of here. I got one better than that. Let me go holler at this lady. <laughs> so I go over and walk down. I say, hey, how you doing? My name is Nigel. What's your name? You kicked I didn't game know. to her? <laughs> Real game, though. I said, I said, my name is Nigel. What's your name? She said, excuse me? I'm like, you're the new principal, right? She's like, yeah, my name is Thelma Baxter. I'm like, all right, well, I'm Nigel, again. I'm a Capricorn. <laughs> no, no, got one better now. I said, you may be the new principal, but mm. I run the school. Mm. Mm. 100%. She said, wow, impressive. Be in my office at 3 o'clock. <laughs> Shit, I'm like, what the fuck did I just do? Do I fuck myself? Long story short, as soon as I got in the office with her, we kicked it, and she was like, yeah, you know, ask me about this and what I do. Same question, like, how'd you grow up? Where'd you grow up, this, that, and third? And she said, I did my research on you. They say, like, you know, you are, you know, you are a prominent figure in the school. Like, if something happens, you could get that, that, that. She's like, well, long story short, I need you, somebody like you, to be in my corner, because as you could tell, I'm aggressive, and I don't know how to back down. I don't care if you're big, you're small. I just need to align myself with somebody like you that if I have an issue with the wrong individual, mm-hmm. 
you can kind of help smooth it over or yeah. kind of be, you know, my conduit in the area. And I'm like, all right, done. And ever since then, I'm talking about like my high school, my high school days were breeze. Mm. If I had an issue in any class, I'd be like, all right, no problem. I got you. <laughs> they knew what it was already. So yeah. they'd be like, oh, let me guess. You're going to go get Miss Baxter? No, I'm just going to mind my business. <laughs> Showing up that same day, the next day I get in the class, so I had a conversation with Baxter. Everything's all right now. <laughs> so, I, you know, I had the juice a little earlier. I actually learned how to work my set early. Did you go to prom? 100%. Yeah? Yeah, prom is a movie. <laughs> prom is a movie. So, funny story about prom is, uh, <laughs> it's so crazy. We... I can't really tell you the full story. About prom, <laughs> but all I can say is, prom was a great night for me, solely because I did some I did some work with with Rosie Perez. She had sure me did. <laughs> not that kind of work, not that kind of work. Rosie, if you hear this, I didn't say I don't know what this man is talking about. But anyway, I did a special, you know, just about kid about uh, HIV and AIDS moving in the. In you know, in the teen community, because it's at the highest, it was moving at a fast rate. A special, a special that aired on ABC. You really? Were, I was on, on camera, on camera, bro. The night of my prom, so I didn't even see the special just because I wanted to be at the prom. Damn, crazy. My mom saw it. I probably, if you Google it, we probably could find it. But whoa, crazy, crazy night. But prom was a good night for me because we, you know, we got to, we did some amazing shit. <laughs> then we left that same day to Virginia Beach the following morning. Oh shit! Yeah, so it was a yeah. My high school years were good years. Getting to the end of high school, yeah. You had that internship. That's correct. Where did you see life going after that? Well, let's say this: it was it was the internship lasts for about six months. The, I was in the marketing department, so they had me like flipping papers and just doing shit that I didn't really want to do. I wanted to do A and R, right? A and R. You, you wanted cool. to do that at that time, hundred percent. You knew 100%. what A and R was. Why wouldn't I? Like what I'm trying to tell you is like. For me, at least, when I see something, I go get it. I do my research on why this works for me. Yeah. So, as I said, you know, the day I went into Uptown Records, I saw that my, my guy, he's still my guy now, Sugar Dice. Dice was like one of the original OG official a and R. So, mm -hmm. like, if you look at, if you listen to some Puff's old stuff, Puff would say, you know, he gave it up to Sugar Dice. Because mm -hmm. Dice was like a senior a and R at that point. I saw this guy, Tim Dog, not the rapper Tim Dog, mm -hmm. but it was a right. guy named Tim Dog. Mm -hmm. And these guys look like me, they dress like me, but they just had the position. So I'm like, what do they do again? Oh, they're the A&Rs. They I'm like, yeah, they're the ones that make the records with the guys. So at that point, I was blown away. I knew that's what I wanted to do. So at Stepson, they didn't have me doing that. I was doing bullshit. Same as Scribble, he was doing bullshit. So I remember it was like the winter break. So, you know, the industry shuts down from like December 20-something. Well, and it back <laughs> yeah, like Maybe November. Yeah, you know, people <laughs> slow down, but the real ones still go for it. Yeah, yeah. But the doors are closed officially like, nah, you know, December 14th, somewhere like yeah. December 15th, yeah. whatever, whatever. So all I know is my internship, the doors closed and they never opened back up. Bill Steffens was the was yeah. the CEO. He worked at Def Jam of yep. Stepson. The lady, he, it just folded, and they didn't tell us nothing. They never sent me a thank you email, a text, nothing. So I'm like, you know, I mean, what? it's pretexting, but yeah, yeah pretexting, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah, a yeah. note, a card, yeah, nothing. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what, man? Fuck this music shit. I'm not. I can't really get into it. I'm gonna go do what I do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if the you know the opportunity presents itself, I'll take it. At you know in stride, but I'm not gonna stop my life for this. So I started going, you know, doing, I went to college. I went to Bronx Community College. But I'm still doing my one, two, you know. And then one of my good friends, you know, he he was doing an internship with uh, Bad Boy, a kid named Jason Delgado. Mm -hmm. So Jason and I 
still one of my great friends. I, I don't talk to him as often, but, you know, Jason was doing an internship with Bad Boy. I was doing my internship with Stepson. And we're like, yo, we just going to form a company together. We're going to figure this shit out. My shit shut down. And he was, you know, he was still doing his internship. And then he finally got the position as as Leote Black Norris assistant. And Leote was Puff's executive assistant at that point. So I'm like, yo, you know what? You focus on that. I'm going to get some money, and then we'll start our company. I'll finance it. You learn what you got to learn on the inside so we could, you know, put that shit together and make it work. To do what? Develop artists? Develop so, artists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we were going to We had a production company, and we were going to find artists, find producers, and make records. Did you have any artists in, in mind at that time or no? No, no, no. At this point, so I used to hang out a lot with this DJ in the Bronx. His name was DJ Duop. Duop, like the mixtape one. Yeah, DJ yeah. Duop. Yeah. yeah. So if you look at so some of his early mixtapes, he always shouted me out on his mixtapes. And in high school, you're you're a legend if you get a shout out a shout out from a prominent DJ on his mixtape and they hear your name, you're gonna have the best prom night ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, you're great. already palling around with Rosie Perez and the principal. <laughs> yeah, so juice, like you know, juice, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, had, I had a little bit of juice. That's why I was, I was originally gonna bring you guys orange juice because I got juice. You got the yeah. juice. You know. <laughs> the donuts work too. So. Uh, Gonna get this company yeah, going, yeah. and you're gonna get the money. He's gonna get the info, and 100, and do what it do, make it do what it do. So then, so um, that worked out perfectly. You know what? It actually did. Oh really? But it worked out in 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 a better way because Jason became Puff's assistant, and when he became Puff's assistant, that's when I got even closer to Puff because Puff would be throwing parties, and this is at his early phase. So he'd be like, "Yo, get you know, tell Nige to bring the Spanish girls," because I always was from the Bronx, and I. You know, you were the Bronx plug, the Bronx plug. Yeah. So in some of these rooms, you got to realize they didn't really. It wasn't like Spanish girls. Just wasn't. You know what I'm saying? They weren't in there. So probably be like, yo, get Nas. Tell Nas to bring those people all the time. <laughs> so it went from like Justin's open. Yo, tell Nas to bring these people. Tell. So we became. Puff and I became tight through Jason, but we we started our own relationship at that point. So that could have been. That was actually one of the best things for me because. You know, we went on. He he started a tour, and I was in school when he was on tour. This was '97, so I'm like, I'm doing really well too in school. I probably I probably had like a a 2.8 or a 3.0. I don't remember. Something like I was doing really well though, and I remember um, Puff called me like, "Yo, you know, you still trying to get down?" I'm like, "Fuck yeah! What do you mean? Like, what's up?" He's like, "Oh, I'm going out on tour, and I got a spot for you, but." I need to know now. Meaning, like, the tour leaves next week. We ha we had envy. He's like, "Yo, we doing a party tonight, and the tour leaves next week. So everything you got going, you got to stop and roll." I'm like, "Fuck." I said, "You know, you know, this is the first time I can say I call my mother. I'm like, Ma, look, as you know, 19, 18 years old, you think you got life figured out. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, at the end of the day, I wanted to go to college and get my degree to make her happy. I didn't right. really." College degree wasn't going. It was. It'd be great to have it, but it's not going. It wasn't really going to do anything for me because I was going to get to where I had to get to, regardless of what. Right. Hard work. So, I said, "Ma, look, this amazing opportunity came by. Puff on me to do. You know, this is where I want to be. This that third. And she like, you know what? You did everything you had to do for me already. Like you went to school, you graduated. Follow your heart. I'm like, Phew. how about that? I went and talked to one professor, my marketing professor, and I'm like, yo, this opportunity. Like, man, school will always be here for you. These opportunities don't come, you know, quite often. Though. You should seize it. And ever since that day, I've been, you know, in the industry, busting most in so much way, shape, or form. Who's, so who's on that tour? <sighs> that was the actually No Way Out tour, right? No Way Out tour, to me, mm -hmm. is the best tour ever. I've, I've, like, spot, you know, I've checked in on a couple tours. But to be on the tour, just think about this. It was 
112, mm. Faith Evans, <laughs> uh, uh, Kelly, uh, Kelly Price at this point, uh, Little Kim. Uh, hold on, let me not, let me, Usher. <laughs> Usher was opening up for Puppet that day. Uh, Nas was supposed to be on that tour. He did it like one date. Oh. <laughs> Jay-Z was on that tour. Jay-Z and them was on the tour for like about, they was on the tour for about, I would say about 20 dates. Man. Somewhere like that, maybe 10 dates. We All I know is we came into, we, we spent Thanksgiving in D.C. They had a show. The following day we went to like, I forget, maybe we went to like Baltimore because it was D.C. and Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like, yo, where's Jay and them? Gone. <laughs> they disappeared. They just they left the tour just like that. They said they wasn't with it. Wait, where was Mace? Oh, yeah. I was going to get to Mace. Okay. I'm just naming the big dog. Yeah. Oh, Mace. <laughs> Rude. Mace. The locks. Yeah. I mean, you know, and Puff Daddy. Like, it, it was it was retarded, bro. Foxy Brown was on that tour. It was, it was, a, real, it was a real tour, bro. Yeah. Cameron was on that tour. It, and you're talking like... Is it buses? Bus. So, so think about this. So, just think of. I was fortunate. Let me say this because you have the dancers, mm-hmm. right? You have the artists. So, like Puff, and Puff had his own bus because he's the man. Right. Mm-hmm. So Mace had to share a bus with. with I'm sure he. Had, I don't remember, but I feel like he had to share a bus with the Locks. Mm-hmm. Okay. One twelve and like Faith, a bunch of people were sharing buses, but. I was fortunate to be a part of Puff's immediate crew, so I got a bunk on Puff's bus. Oh, man. So you guys don't understand, like... This is 97 Puff. <laughs> this is 97 Puff, bro. I'm talking about, like, if you had a bad boy laminate, mm-hmm. you probably had five or six girls following you around, ready to do whatever. Yeah. Just just a laminate. Play Jenga. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of Jenga. Yeah. It was a lot of Jenga and Twister. <laughs> yeah. And is, is that Twister is the game? Yeah, yeah. It's a lot. Twister's it was a lot of lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, it was it was it was the No Way Out lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. What was the drink of choice uh, on the on the No Way Out tour? Man, Alize. <laughs> Yo, can I be honest with you? We drank Hennessy, man. We drank Hennessy straight early. Yeah, because so 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 funny story is like Puff probably gonna be mad at me, but he didn't <laughs> know what Ale, he didn't know what what Pac was drinking. Mm-hmm. That Doug Passion. He didn't know Doug. He didn't know Doug Passion. Mm-hmm. So I remember we were in, in Daddy's house one day and, and we mixed the uh, the Hennessy and the Alize. He was drinking the shit and that shit looks green. That when you drink that shit brown, he drank that shit. He's like, "Wow, this is why Pac be wilding." <laughs> That's a real story, man. So we drank Hennessy all the time: Hennessy ginger ale, Hennessy Alize, Hennessy Coke, Hennessy, Hennessy breakfast, Hennessy lunch, yeah, Hennessy yeah. dinner. It was it was some real serious nights. Did you make every bus? So let me say this. I got I got left. I got left one time. One, but keep in mind the it's so crazy because I feel like I I feel like I left because I went downstairs too early. And I'm like, what the fuck? Let me go back upstairs and take a nap. Oh, I no. went upstairs and took a nap. I woke up. They left St. Louis and they left me there. What did you do in St. Louis while? Uh... Oh no, I got a plane. I got a, we we was getting money on the road. So just think of it like. If you had extra tickets, if you had T-shirts, people were willing to do anything at this point. I'm talking about, like, at this point, Puff was, like, he was almost like Michael Jackson to a certain degree. Like, unbelievable. I remember being in Houston. We had a police escort. I'm talking about, like, we landed on a a jet. 
he was running late. We went to the hotel. We had a police escort to the hotel, a police escort from the hotel to the venue. It was the crazy. For me, in 97, this is the first time I'm seeing stuff like this. I'm like, huh? Oh. Stopping no red lights, just blowing through shit. It's the craziest. Like, Puff is a serious guy, man. I give it to him. Like, he's, the, he's one of the guys that showed me how big, you know, how big the business is, but how big you could be in the business if you really push yourself. Yeah. But you you could have enjoyed St. Louis for a few days, just really like seeing the nah, sights. Nah, no way, no way, no. You gotta get to the money. So <laughs> if they like, it's a room for me waiting in the next city. I think the next city was Minnesota. And at this point, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but Minnesota has a has the highest uh, ratio of interracial couples in America. Didn't Minnesota. Know that. Uh. So you know, black guys do well in Minnesota. <laughs> In a nutshell, that's what I'm trying to say. So I couldn't miss Minnesota. Right. How long is that show? If everyone's got like a like a slot, like is it forever? From what I remember, it, it was like a three hour show. Yeah. It was like it was like from top to bottom. Yeah. So we used to get to the venue some dates when nobody was there, but because I roll with Puff, I would just roll in when he rolled in. Mm-hmm. So it was like. So you're missing last year. But I you feel like all of that shit. King Capri was on that tour too. Sorry, but King Capri was the main oh. DJ. Yeah, yeah. King Capri um, was the DJ for that whole I tour. I feel like uh, Puff now is the kind of guy who shows up early and watches the whole thing, like make sure every single person, like you know, does their shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, like you he, know, he's so like uh, attentive to detail. Oh yeah, but from what I saw when he did the no, when he did this the Bad Boy reunion tour, mm-hmm. I was there like two days with him before. And like he's he's watching everybody's show, mm-hmm. like he's helping them as mm-hmm. well. You know what I mean? So to your point, like he's definitely on it. Did uh, on it. did Puffy like uh, 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 dress you in that? Like he was like, "Yo, like this is what you need to wear. This is what you need never. to look like." Never. You <laughs> never. weren't one of his artists. Never, never, <laughs> never in a million years, bro. Like what keep in mind on that tour, we we only wore sweatsuits because you had to just be comfortable because you were living on a bunk, yeah, and you're moving from city to city. Just yeah, we wore. I remember we wore all of us went all the whole tour wore sweatsuits. That's it. Who did you get closest to in terms of artists on that tour? Uh, Mace. Yeah, yeah. Mace and I became like Mace and I became super tight. Like Mace used to sleep in my house in the Bronx. Really? On my couch. My mom's came out like two or three times and saw Mace there on the couch. Like, what is he doing there? <laughs> he was just you know Mace. Mace before you know before he found God, mm-hmm. he was really like. Just with whatever, mm-hmm. you know, he was a hundred percent down for whatever. And I think sometimes now he's still, you know, you still could get him to do stuff, but I just don't feel comfortable asking him to do things just because he's not, you know, it just feels it doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Did did superstardom not feel right for him? You think or I think it, I think it was a uh, it's a it, it's a it was a gang of things at that point that got him. So back then, he and I, you know, at this point, they made me become his like road manager. So I ran around with him. Uh, just he and I yeah. everywhere. You know what I mean? Like we we did the Double Up album. So the Double Up album, that's my like. They didn't give me no. They didn't give me the right A and R credit, but that's my first gold album. My A and R, really, hundred percent, top to bottom, with Mace. Like we started that album in uh, in the Bahamas. So we Puff rented a, Puff rented a house. Lenny Kravitz used to have a studio in the Bahamas in Nassau. So we lived in the Bahamas for two months after the tour. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. I'm sure. Yeah. I, yeah those stories are amazing. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we lived there. We, we started Mace's album there. We did Mace's album there. Sean did some of his album there. This was the this was the time that, keep in mind, the locks and I were super tight because 
we all from the street. Right. Black Rob is from my area in the Bronx. So, you know, like I used to hang out on 174th and 176th in University. Mm-hmm. Black Rob used to hang out on Ogden Avenue, which is about six blocks over from from where, you know, where we hung out. So my son is one of my first artists I worked with. He was from that area of Ogden. The kids, he was on the Double I, Up album. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. That's A lot of that is because we were all hanging out together. So, uh, you know, the, what's the kid? A Boogie and, and, oh. and Don Q. They're from yeah, that hybrid, same area. Hybrid yeah. area. So, yeah. so that's pretty close to where I used to be. So Black Rob and I were tight, but Mason and I just had a different connection. Mm-hmm. So, but know. it's funny, like for somebody who like shit on like you know uh, that that sort of like upbeat uh, jazz Happy Jeff and the shit. Fresh Prince, yeah. and now you're going to like Bad Boy at the time where it was like let's take all this like upbeat fun like yeah. get the dance floor moving type yeah, shit going. Yeah, yeah. It, well, you got to look at it like Puff was Puff, Puff was a visionary. He he just saw that even and they had in hardship life too. But yeah, they yeah. had hardship. But you got to realize, like, if you look at him now, he just always look at his Instagram. All he wants to do is have fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he don't want to be like all hard. So even if, let's say if it's ten killers in a room, he's not comfortable. Right. And it's not that he's not comfortable because he don't want to be there. He just prefers to be in a room with the dudes having fun or the girls having fun. Like, right. He just don't. So well, it's so also hard music, to be in a bad mood when you're, you know, yeah, <laughs> fifty billion dollars or whatever. <laughs> no, no, no. But you know what? <laughs> Believe it or not, I, I beg to differ because I feel like. You know, at the end of the day, you still you still close the door and you look in the mirror. And you got to face who you Cassie. looking at. Oh, right. Yeah. You got to face who you looking at. <laughs> yeah. So you can have a hundred million, you can have one million, you can have five dollars. If you have issues, you have issues no matter what. Right. So mm-hmm. the money definitely helps with those issues, but you still have issues. So let's let's talk about the tour some more. You're on the road for we on the yeah twenty cities or something or twenty cities, oh. man. <laughs> let me think. Let me think. We started the tour like. The early part of, I want to say October, and we went through December, and then we start, we kicked back off again uh, in January. We went from like January to March. Well, how he did like he did fifty cities. Geez. I would say fifty cities. How lost do you get? Like, are you just like, what city am I in? Like, yeah, it was it was tough. What date is this? You, you, but for us, you know, for uh, it was a routine, so it didn't matter where we were. We just knew we had to do our job. So mm. our job might have been like on that tour. My my job at that point was just to kind of identify the records in those different markets hmm. and like, yo, tell Puff, oh, this this person is hot or this this record is dope. So my hand of God, Mark. So Kid Capri was playing that. It's a hard knock life for us mm-hmm. every night playing that in the different venues. And I'm like, yo, Puff, this nigga Kid Capri is playing a smash, bro. You gotta listen to this. He like, uh, yeah, I hear, it, but I don't know what I could do with it. Jay Z well. figured that out, <laughs> and then Jay Z left. Jay Z figured that out. <laughs> yeah. Jay Z figured that out. Yeah, and that's Kid Capri. Kid, so Mark the Forty Five King was a producer that, that yeah. sampled that. Yeah, yeah. And Kid Capri was playing it every night. Holy cow! It's crazy, right? What other records did you find on the road? Well, I didn't find any records, but I know I turned Puff on to uh, you know a couple writers. Yeah. So that's why like Beanie Siegel was in the Bahamas with us to mm. write for him. Hmm. Uh, I don't know Beans, but Source Money was definitely in the Bahamas writing. So first time we ever Beans met, wrote. First yeah. time we ever met Clark Kent, mm-hmm. uh, we were out in L.A. for the BET Awards, and uh, we were doing red carpet for MTV. Mm-hmm. And Clark came up and he was like, "Hey, I just wanted to introduce myself. I'm Clark Kent. I think you guys are awesome, and I appreciate Dope. everything you do." And we're just like, "This is legend." Yeah, no, He's a legend. He, then he disappeared. He, he like dipped. he literally he like, like, like yep, that's yeah, it. Like, yeah, and and left. 
And this is when Puff was being honored by like ASCAP or something like yeah, that. So, okay. you know, five, six years ago, something like yeah. that. So Clark was spinning for that. Wow. And then we're like, no, 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 he can't just leave. So we ran after him and yeah. we're like, can we ask you something? Like, yeah. who is your favorite ghostwriter? And he, for Puff. Yeah. And he was like, oh, that's easy. It's Sauce Money yeah. because he's the only one to write for Puff to make it sound like Puff. You're not like he's for him. Yeah. He was like you don't everybody hear, else. Like, sort of like inhabits their own sort you don't of persona. Meanie in it. You yeah. Don't hear, like, I don't. I don't. I beg to differ. Who Who would you say? I would say, I think it's Mace. Yeah. I think it's Mace. Yeah. I think. Uh, I think it's Mace because you know the song. Um, damn, I can't think of it now. It's It's Puff, Jay, and Biggie on the joint together. Oh, it's on the No Way Out album. Yeah. And Puff says a line like, I pimp so hard I drive my mink on the floor. <laughs> like, that's real shit. And yeah. Mace wrote that. I wow. don't know if everybody knows, but yeah. Mace wrote that. Damn. So I think Mace, and, you know, because Mace is another guy like like Puff. Like, he could hang out with the killers, but he don't really want to be around that that right. kind of environment. He mm-hmm. wants to be with the people that are having fun or just chilling or, around the broads. Yeah. So I think they were, like, one and the same from, you know, from genetics. Right. What they want to be around. And so when you got to the Bahamas and you're working on Double Up, what did you know about Harlem? Well, keep in mind, I'm from the Bronx. So, right. you know, Harlem, when you think of Harlem, super flashy guys want the world to see him. I met Mace. We connected because I didn't want the attention. So even today, like, you know, I work with artists now. I've worked with a, a, a number of artists from, you know, Harlem. Jay Mills was one of our first artists. We got him three recording deals, and Vado's my artist now, and, mm-hmm. you know, he signed to Khaled, and mm-hmm. we're working on his stuff. But those, you know, majority of Harlem-based guys, they like the attention because Harlem is known for flashy lights and just being the guys. Whereas, you know, guys in the Bronx, I just feel like we're a little bit more reserved. Like, right. we don't really, you know, we don't need the attention because we kind of, you just never know. We, we're in a good position of we got money, but we're not going to flash it in front of you. Yeah. So, but but more importantly, not all guys are the same. Also, let me just say that not all Harlem guys are flashy guys. Right. But the guys I've you know interacted with are very flashy. Mm-hmm. And P- Mace and I were a perfect connection because I didn't want no flash. Like I was always like in the cut. So I just somebody sent me a picture the other day of it was an award show. I forget where we were at and. Mace is on the front doing this, and you see me like in the back, always <laughs> in the back. Frame, Somebody yeah. sent me another picture the, uh, the other day of Little Kim. We were somewhere far, and did you know she's taking a picture, and then you just see if you look through the, you see me in the back. I'm <laughs> always in the back because I never really wanted the attention. So another reason why Puff and I really clicked well too is we every we used to go to parties. Everybody would go to the right, and I go to the left. <laughs> And I'm in the corner just maybe, you know, one or two interesting people having great conversations. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, sure. And it's yeah. like, yo, what is he doing over there? Yeah. You know, let's go over there with him. Yeah. You know what I mean? So so when Mace ends up going to Atlanta or just, like, getting away from the scene, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts? He had he had his reason why he had to leave. And, you know, you can't, you can't stop a man from doing what a man feels that like he needs to do for himself. So it was – he had some issues with some guys in Harlem and mm-hmm. – he didn't give anybody the opportunity to help him fix those issues. So he just decided to leave. But, you know, at that point, I was already working on my son's project. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was a little... I was. You weren't, you weren't like, you know, tied to him. Yeah, no, nah, no. Nah. Yeah. When we made money together, we made money. If we hung out together as my friend, my friend is my friend. So if right. we don't make money, it doesn't matter. You're still right. my friend. Were you involved at all with Harlem World? Not at all. Okay, gotcha. Not at all. And Not at all. the JD deal? Not at all. Just, Not at all. No. But we hung out with him. So, yeah. you know, 
so my son, uh, my brother Tone, we used to hang out with Mace all the time. I guess if he's in the city and we were there, mm-hmm. he felt comfortable if we were there with him moving around because mm-hmm. he knew that we were going to go out with him need be if something popped up. So he, uh, so I wasn't a part of that project at all, but we was hanging out with him. And what on Double Up um, did we not hear? What did Was there any recordings that like you felt should have been included you know, for one reason or another, weren't so you ready for this? So, yeah. in the midst of us working on a double up, I remember we had a, we found a track, we loved the track. Teddy Riley wanted to re he he actually had some ideas for the track. I go down, we go to Atlanta, I mean to Virginia, me and Mace, we're in the studio with Teddy Riley. Like at this point, I'm like I'm like <laughs> on, I'm in heaven right now because yeah. you got to realize I grew up watching Video Music Box. Yeah, I used to watch Rex and Effects every day. <laughs> All I want to do is zoom, zoom, yeah. zoom, zoom. I'm watching Teddy Riley. He was a part of Guy. I'm just watching. This guy's a, a musical genius. I'm, now he's now I'm right in his studio yeah. looking at 75 Michael Jackson plaques. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. This guy's a genius. He starts working on the record. And he changes this around, changes that around. Now, now I'm sitting there scratching my head like, <laughs> what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> and But I'm like, I'm Nigel from the Bronx. This is Teddy Riley, the super producer. <laughs> Nigel, Teddy, Teddy, Nigel. I'm like, yo. And Mace is in La La Land. I'm like, yo. I'm looking at him like, yo, say something, man. This shit sounds horrible. He looking at me like, yo, you say something. You the label guy. I'm like, oh, this is some bullshit. So I'm like, you know what? I'm like, hey, Ted, you know, I'm like, you know, this is really good, which was a lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I'm like, yo, I really think, I think we should try to get it as close as to the you know the demo if that makes sense to you he's like yeah nah <laughs> yeah nah this this way is done this young blood just chill i got this this way is done this that third and i'm just sitting there like all right cool <laughs> we got back i'm talking about like now mind you like mace is already like on some like he's into the music but he's not really into the music because he's really on this path with with god mm-hmm. so i got back and i went to the office and I played the record, but Puff Puff looked at me. He's, just, he's listening to the record and just looking at me, just staring at me, <laughs> listening to the record, staring at me. The record started. He's like, yo, Nigel, what the fuck is this? I'm like, yo, P, listen. I call him P. So I'm like, yo, P, listen. I try to tell Teddy that this is not, this don't sound like the original, but he he like, yo, but, 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 try, try, bro, what are you doing, bro? And I'm like, that now I'm starting to get mad because this is my friend. But, you know, once you put money into a situation, once you start paying your friend, mm-hmm. it, it puts a strain on the relationship because now it's like, yo, I'm paying you to do a job. Right. So I'm, I'm potentially able to talk to you like this, but I didn't like that. So I'm like, yo, P, listen, before you go all crazy, all you got to do is call Teddy right now. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just call him right now. You, you talk to him. He's like, fuck all that shit. He's like, matter of fact, you right. Let's call him now. <laughs> he goes bad on Teddy because Teddy's like, nah, like this. I heard the music. He's like, yo, bro, I didn't ask you what to do. All I asked you was beef the music up. Bring my shit back the right way. <laughs> the craziest shit I've ever seen. Long story short, one of the hitmen worked on it and got it back to where it oh, should yeah. have been. But my, my point of saying that is, so the records that you heard are the records. It was no extra records because Mace is already through. He didn't even care. Man. So we turned the album in and... And I remember he didn't want to promote the album. He like, no, nah, I'm not doing nothing. Damn. And Puff, I remember Puff called me to Daddy's house. And he's like, Yo, Naj, listen, I don't want to talk to him. Work your magic. Tell him I buy him a Bentley. Tell him I do whatever. I need him to get on the road and promote this album. Mind you, I had another place set up. You know, the album's gonna come out. Mace had to do uh, five shows. They were gonna give him like four hundred thousand. 
Five shows, four hundred thousand. So I would make a hundred, my man would make a hundred, Mason make two hundred. Yeah. He's like, nah, I'm not doing none of that. Can you imagine that? Did That's you like, ever think about like putting on a shiny suit and just doing it yourself? <laughs> well, you know, me shiny stuff don't really work well with me, even though you know you would think it would. But nah, I didn't think about that. I actually thought about trying to like, you know, put my hands and feet on Mace because it was just like, yo, how would <laughs> you just lot, leave this on the money. table? Right. But the key thing is he just what he didn't realize is that by you stepping out, you're affecting so many other people's lives, yeah. livelihood by that's, just saying that I'm good, I'm gone. And that's yeah. that's what like Big Boy was saying to Andre when Andre was like, I'm good. I'm good. But, and that's the thing. So the flip side is like, how do you fight a man and get mad at a man when a man is trying to make a better uh, relationship with God? Right. Mm-hmm. It's like you, you, no way. So, so from there, you know, Mace goes to Atlanta and you're up here, and now you're working with my son. Yeah, and- all right, but we were always working on mice, but I was doing mace stuff on, on the side. Gotcha. So my brother was focused more on mice, but then when mace dipped, I was able to sway some of that focus more on mice as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And mice, and we had another artist, Harry O. We had Jay Mills. We had a gang of a gang of artists under him, but mice was the focus. And and where do you end up going? Mice, we we get a deal. So mice had mice battled a bunch of people. That's what we would like. So the Rough Riders used to park up on One Twenty Fifth Street, and X would be out there battling. Dragon would be out there battling. Now Cassidy when, would be out there battling. When you're saying park, you like see everyone like, is yeah. rolling up like Ducatis everywhere. Hundred Twenty Fifth Street. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Limelight <laughs> live. I'm talking about like so we would pull up there with the jackets, right? Like all early, just yeah. t-shirts. Yeah, oh, t- at that oh, point, yeah, t-shirts. Yeah. Summertime. Yeah. So we would pull up there. The Rough Riders have 40, 40 dudes with them at all times. So, you know, a cypher would start and it would turn into like 100 people like blocking the street. So the so the cops used to always shut us down. But that is where, you know, we, they used to call that like the dog pound. Like the, the guys get, you know, like dogs fight in that yeah. little round right, in that, right. In that, right there. So Mice used to go over there and battle everybody. So he got a name. My son had a name for bad, being a battle rapper. So we was running around battling everybody on site, everywhere, anytime. So I remember, you know, uh, like Shine was my boy. Mm-hmm. Shine was my boy because of No Way Out Tour as well. Like yeah. he was on the tour, but he, he didn't have a record. So he was just on the tour from city to city, just mm-hmm. hanging out. Puff was grooming him. So he became my friend there on that tour. Fast forward, Shine is, you know, and, and and he's like everybody's making a big deal like he's the you know he's the guy yeah. he, he spits he's next but up. mice is a different you know is a shine is a he he could spit but he makes records mm-hmm. where 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 mice makes records but mice is a beast at battling right. mm-hmm. at that point so cipher started shine spit something at him mice spit something back at him <laughs> and then shine spit something again at him and then mice spit something a lot harder at him. Shine spent one more thing and Mice just said something else that was just too much. Everybody, like, I'm talking about like my phone was ringing the next day, Tone's <laughs> phone was ringing the next day, and we had a deal within a week and a half for Mice, wow. oh Mice on after that. With Rough Riders? No, we did Mice on's deal with Violator. Oh, really? Violator, yeah. yeah. Chris, God bless the day, Chris yeah. Lighty. Violator slash Def Jam. Whoa. Yeah. Um, how many pull-ups did you do on streetlights? <laughs> <laughs> or, or what? On streetlights. Well, well, let me say this. Let me say this. So, so uh, Darren, you know, from Rough Riders D, mm-hmm. he actually, he we used to hang out all the time. He got into a really bad uh, uh, accident. On the T-Rex. On the T-Rex. Mm-hmm. So I never used to work out mm-hmm. until Darren had that accident. 
So we went to the hospital, and usually I would be him in the T Rex. I would be with him or hanging out with them. Like we all just moved around. But this particular day, I was home in the Bronx, just chilling. And they were in uh, in the Bronx. Where were they at? I, I forget. In the back, Hunts Point, mm-hmm. on the bike. So I, it's like a seven minute ride driving. But I didn't go because I was tired. I laid down. My brother called me like, "Yo, D got into a bad accident. Get over here." We went to the hospital. And it so happens that D used to mess with one of the EMT that brought him to the hospital. So the lady told us, like, yo, he's in bad condition. But he's not dead only because he worked out. His physical conditioning kept him alive. Because if he didn't work out, he'd be dead. Impact. The trauma, his heart wouldn't have been able to survive that. So ever since that day, I started working out the next day. Every day. How involved were you... Were you friends with the locks at the time that they left Bad Boy and went over to Rough Riders? Yeah. Were you allowed to be friends? Were you- <laughs> yeah, I'm my own man, so yeah. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to. So at the end of the day, like, you know, it's all based on respect. So, you know, D and the Rough Riders are my guys. Mm-hmm. Puffing them is my, my guys. Like, we're all family, but sometimes family falls apart. And, you know, you just don't see eye to eye for a minute. And then you rekindle. So I think it was just at a point, like, the locks and I were super cool. But we just, you know, I didn't have a, I didn't have a side. So if I could help the situation, I, I could, or I would have. But I think, you know, the, those guys were, were taking it real personal with Puff. It was like a real personal thing mm-hmm. back then. And with the Shine record, yeah, how involved uh, were you with that? Well, album? that first album, you know, if you if you look at the credits, what he says is to my day one nigga Nodge. And the reason why he says my day one is because. I sat him down in the studio and told him, like, yo, bro, you think everybody's saying you're hot, but when you're not in the room, everybody's saying your shit is whack and you sound like big. Damn. I'm telling you this. Your shit your shit is cool, but it don't move me, bro. Like, you got to dig. You got to do this. You got to do that. We call a shine, and right now he'll tell you the only person that told him that was me. Hmm. I say your shit whack. So he gives me credit as, as being, like, my day one guy. So, like, involved in his project. Everything he he wouldn't drop a record unless he played it for me first. Really, a hundred percent. He came to my house in the Bronx. He's like people we see see shine like so in my area. I had everybody coming up there like Mace, <laughs> uh, Puff came in the Bronx. Uh, shine used to hang out on my block. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I had a little bit of juice. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think when you heard that Barrington Levy? I knew that was a hit. Yeah, yeah. And and the crazy thing is, Puff, so so Shine wanted me to go with him to Jamaica. He had my ticket and everything, but I just I forget I was doing something I couldn't do I couldn't go, but I'm actually mad I didn't go because that record is just an amazing record and just the video is just is just it that's the heart of Jamaica. Like you see that video, you feel like you in Jamaica. You understand Jamaica. This is also the time too when like you had to record with someone in the studio. This wasn't like male like yeah yeah yeah. It wasn't (laughs) a person. No no. It was like you set in the reel. Yeah. So you got to travel with the reel so they can load it up and you know what I'm saying like yeah that, that. that was a real situation. This new wave of music is, you know, I respect it because it just helps the business grow and it, sure. it, it moves at a faster pace. But it, it's nothing like actually being in the studio with two artists and, you know, critiquing and them going back and forth to make What magic. are there uh, times have you been in the studio when, like, with collaborating artists? I remember I was in the studio when uh, Jay wrote his verse for... Uh, that Rough Rider joint. You remember he says, ghetto nigga, putting up Will Smith numbers, mm. surrounded by uh, players, killers, or something. That verse, I was in there when he did that. I was in the studio. What is it like it's, to see Jay-Z just like come up with a verse off the top of his head? 
I can be honest with you. So we're sitting, we're having a conversation. So he was in, we were all in the Vogel booth at one point, right? Mm. Not in the Vogel booth, but just like in the main room. This yeah. was done at uh, at Sony. Sony used to, they used to have a recording studio on 54th and 10th Avenue. Hmm. So we're in the basement and we were all in there. He walked in. Jay's always been just cool. So we're all talking. He's just talking with us. And he starts reading the... Uh, the Don Diva, the Don Diva magazine. Mm. The issue with very Alpo, scholarly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just, but I'm talking about like the. It's it's weird because the music is knocking. We're all talking, and he's reading the magazine. So we was like, yo, you know what? Let's just step out. So we stepped out into like an area, lounge area, where you could see through there. He probably r- listened to the beat, maybe like. 50 times because we're just talking the whole time. He's just reading the magazine. So you don't think, you don't think he's writing, <laughs> but he's reading. It's the weirdest shit I've ever seen. He's reading the magazine, reading it, and then he finished reading. He closed it, sat there for a couple minutes. He's like, all right, set it up. He went and did that verse. Man. <laughs> I'm still like, I'm still, because I can multitask. Like, right. but, but to be able to listen to music, read a magazine and write a rhyme that's pretty that's pretty pretty it's pretty impressive yeah yeah it's pretty impressive is that the craziest uh, recording technique you've ever seen i saw you know who, who was who was funny to me joe buttons man joe's my man so i can't throw him on the bus but joe joe sat indian style on the floor <laughs> with his hands like in his hood his hood over and that's how he listens to beats at that point at least yeah that was like weird to me i'm like yo this guy is crazy but it worked out for him so what happens in the next portion of your life how do you transition into being in a building working with artists managing them signing them to a production company is crazy it's crazy <laughs> yeah. but when they're hot you're hot right when they're not you're not you're not hot right. but you still have the same issues and you still have the same bills that come along with them if they were hot yeah mm-hmm. so they start looking at you like yo i need rent yo i need this i need that i need this and it's like yo bro we all got the same 24 hours, bro. Go out and do something. Yeah, but make a good song for <laughs> once. Exactly. Make yeah. a fucking hit record so we could go get some money. Yeah. So what I what I realize is in order for me to build the relationships in the business, you know, I want to tackle it from another side for once. So I started working with some producers called the Soul Diggers. Mm-hmm. They're based out of Jersey. So I started managing them because I used to I used to do other things with one of their financiers mm-hmm. he and I used to play in another game yeah. mm-hmm. so he and I used to play in that game he's like yo you should fuck with them they need some help and I'm like you know what let me come to the studio and kind of hear what they had I'm sitting there listening to the beats I'm like these are good but at that point that's when I envision myself just you know there's a way for me to get in more doors and build better relationships by going and tell you know what hey hey Eric I got this music for you oh I got this music for you listen let me let me get a, uh, all your artists let me understand what they need, and then I'll start creating records for your artists and just send them to you. Mm-hmm. So based based on me doing that, I built so many other relationships in different buildings because I used to just go there trying to shop my beats. And, you know, you deliver one or two good records, it's like, oh, shit, this kid got a decent ear. Yeah. Let's keep him in. So I was managing them, and Puff, you know, Puff just saw me hustling, and I never really went back to him like, yo, I need your help. So... He said, yo, you know what? I need your help. Can you help me on this E-Nest project? Hmm. And I'm just like, man, it's weird because E-Nest feels like I don't like him because he had a battle with my boy Jay Mills, and Jay Mills demolished him, and right. it got a little you know, aggressive in there. We had to tell him, like, bro, you don't want these kind of, you know, we talked to him a little crazy. Yeah, you want the smoke. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> so uh, 
we worked it out. You know, they paid me. Puff paid me, Harv paid me a certain amount of money to, to work on his project. Was it Harv or was it Joe Hooker? <laughs> it was definitely Harv Pierre. <laughs> Joe Hooker is the guy in the studio working right. on the hooks. Mm-hmm. Harv Pierre is the guy in the in, in the office making the decisions. <laughs> along with Sometimes it's hard to tell them apart. Yeah. <laughs> Funny thing is, I think they're the same guy. <laughs> so what? So Enes, you knew him from from TV? Or yeah. You, from not just really on on the the, the battle stuff and with, with Puff stuff, mm-hmm. but you know at this point Puff is Puff's word is law. Yeah. So so Puff tells yo E, you gonna work with my man Naj? Yeah. He can't say no. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, cool. So I, I delivered some really good records on him, and for whatever reason, Enes started going at Puff, and they just decided to drop him. Mm-hmm. So then Puff said, yo, you know what? I need you to help me with with Cassie. So I started working on, on Cassie's project, delivering records, and that was just like one of those processes where, you know, I personally think it's hard to A and R your girl. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if it's your girl. You're gonna critique everything, and, and Puff already critiques everything to the next level. So, picture me working on his girls' project, and he's like, "Yo, I see it," but you gotta allow somebody that has vision to do that, and then you just gotta ride the wave with them and add your little spices on top of it. It just didn't really, it didn't work out to the to the uh, to the level we thought it was. And but are all those it recordings worked, going through Daddy's house? That's correct. Yeah. yeah, that's correct. But at one point, you know, we were in Daddy's house, and you know, Puff started working on his shit. And then he was managing Nikki around that time, so mm-hmm. it was like, you know, Nikki locked out the studio. So we had we moved to another studio right around the corner, uh, Electric Field. My mm-hmm. man, Austin. Austin is a, a pretty young hustler mm-hmm. in the game, and Austin had a studio called Electric Field on Forty Fifth and Ninth. So we just Cassie and I worked out of his studio for like two months at a time. And how'd you go into that in terms of like R and B and with your hip hop? Well, self and all that. Well, you got to look at it like I, I think, you know, all of us, all of us people have an ear. I feel like we could all identify a hit record to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. So I believe Puff just believed in me. He just knew that, you know, I had the ambition and, you know, I really wanted to get, you know, for me, at least I want to land a monster record so they could be like, oh. He did that shit. Mm-hmm. So that's how you get your accolades in the business. Everybody talks they're in the business, they're doing stuff in the business. Until you put wins on the board, you you everybody's in the business. You 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 set yourself apart when you put wins on the board, or you have the relationships to move pieces. Mm-hmm. Was it you who put uh, uh, Nikki and Cassie in the studio together? No, that was that was Puff. Hmm. That was hundred percent Puff. I can no, nah, <laughs> that was all Puff. And I think I, but I also think it was just like I think Nikki is is a, a real person that she pays attention and she's aware of what's hot and what's not hot. Mm-hmm. And aside from Cassie looking amazing, I think we all know she has potential. You know what I mean? So if she gets a, if she gets a monster record, then she's out of here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to your, your first initial question, so, you know, the goal is when you're making a record, you hit an artist, you got to envision what producers or what songwriters work with this artist. So, you know, for me at that point... I had to send a list to Harv, like, Harv, these are the producers I want to work with. These are some of the records they did. These are the songwriters I want to work with. And they were like, oh, yeah, we like all that. Go ahead, go. That's how you kind of get in. You don't, it's, if I'm working on your project, I would I would only want to present some to you that you guys like and you mm-hmm. feel confident. I build your trust and it's like, okay, yeah, I want to work with them. What do you know about, like, writer's camps? You know, the writer's camp help because now you, you're putting, you putting five different art, five different writers in separate rooms or sometimes you're you you're putting them together in one room and you you're giving them a track that you think works 
they're working on that track together. You know, like the saying is two heads are better than one. Mm -hmm. So if you have the right person, some people are just amazing with melodies. Some people are amazing with top line. You you potentially get great body of music coming out of those things. But don't you get the feeling that also like uh, you get more homogenized music? Like everybody sort of sounds the same. Um, like, you know, when you get like those like Sia records or... or it depends though, but keep in mind those Sia records are fucking monster <laughs> records, bro. They are. Those are mon. Keep in mind if you. So when I listened to Sia's most recent album, I thought Rihanna could have sang every song. But that's what I'm saying. That like you know, every artist who's in that sort of pop field, you know, like Sia is a, a she's what Australian. Yeah, I believe so. no. Is she from there? Yeah, one of those. But like, but but, but she where? can make the same songs as a girl from the islands, you yeah. know, from Barbados. A great record is a timeless record, mm -hmm. and a great record could or could not have a face. Mm -hmm. So, I don't think I could sing Gangnam Style, but I think if you I, sang it, you probably be fucking out of here. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I just, you just never know. So right. like the cheerleader record, like. I still don't even know what this guy looks like. Mm -hmm. Right. That that record, I think, is three million record or yeah. five million worldwide. Some stupid shit like that. Yeah. So, you know, you just can't really put a face on some of the records. Mm -hmm. Like it's some talented writers. Like it's an artist that signed to Atlantic. Mm -hmm. I no longer work at Atlantic, but mm -hmm. I still love those people. But it's a it's a it's an artist signing. Her name is PJ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bro, what I'm trying to tell you, like, in my opinion, she's one of the most talented writers. But she, you know, the problem that I realize writers have is the writers that want to be artists save the monsters for themselves. Right. Mm. So keep in mind, like, again, Sia's album is doing numbers for her. Like, I looked at Spotify the other day. She's, like, fucking in the top 10 artists around the world for most plays. Mm -hmm. Dumb, dumb shit. But Rihanna sings those records. She's number one in the world. Right. So, you know, it, so, so it's a little tricky when I say, like, sometimes it has a face or it doesn't have a face. Mm -hmm. And at that point, so you, you worked with rappers. Now you're in R&B. Yeah. Do you feel like you have um, a ton of stuff to offer to whoever and you're just going to sh shop your abilities like, everywhere? That's, that was the goal. So, you know, my and man. And you have relationships that's at my this point. point too. So, so Steve Rifkin, a good friend of mine. Steve Rifkin was at SRC. I had a, a songwriter named Corte Ellis. Mm -hmm. He was part of Soul Diggers also. He wrote the records. So we turned in, we, we wrote Donnie Klang was making a band. We gave, we delivered his single. Uh, I can't think of it right now. Right. Uh, Long Island so, Zone though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we delivered his single. We delivered another record for making a band. So Puff was like, yo, this motherfucker is really delivering. So that's another reason, I forgot to say, that's another reason why he thought it would be great for me to work with, with Cassie because he mm -hmm. knew I could deliver deliver one of those records. But, you know, people were, what people weren't realizing is what all I was doing at that point was delivering these records but also letting people know like, bro, this is the A&R? This is your guy? Because I could do what he did in my sleep. Mm -hmm. I'm in the street getting to it. So, yeah. If you let me use my relationships in one of these buildings, I can make some amazing things happen for you guys. So that was my ultimate plan. That's what I was saying when I was when I sat on the studio. I sat on the couch in the studio. I'm listening to the beats. I'm like, wow, these beats. I'm gonna be able to deliver some monster records. All right, I know what I'm gonna do. So that that was like the trigger in my head, saying, like, let me start moving the records around, building relationships in the different buildings, so I could find out if they need another A and R person or what they may need because mm -hmm. you know A and R. Is 
it's more than just finding the record. You know what I mean? Like, that's one of the most important things. But it's also about developing the talent. It's also about making sure the talent is identified and and, and almost validated in different settings. So people look at him like, oh, yeah, this kid is just like a, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like for instance, Jay Mills. Jay, Jay Mills is a great kid. But he wasn't really in the street. Like, he was in the house playing PlayStation and, and you know, video games. Mm-hmm. But... He, you know, his raps were so hardcore, but my brother and I, we validated him as as like a New York street kid. So he could move around and say what he wanted to say and just do, and he was okay moving around. So that is another part of A&R that the record labels don't really understand because, okay, you can make a great record. Okay, you look the part, but if you don't have the validation or you can't move with certain people, uh... The culture may not accept you and embrace you in the right manner. Also, right. it's it's something that troubles me about the music industry uh, in 2017 is that like artists aren't given a lot of time to develop, and you're taking development out of artist development. Yeah, which and and for, for me, when you take the artist development process out, you almost you taking the longevity of the artist out at the same time. Right. So that's why you see, you know, these guys that come in and out in two seconds. Like, for instance, D4L. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, where are those guys? Well. <laughs> like, you know, with, with respect to yeah, sure yeah. our guy, you yeah. know, God yeah. bless the dead, show you low, but where are those guys? Like, what do they do? Right. right. Like, Bone Crusher. Like, where is he? Right. right. I don't know. I could go down a list of a gang of other artists that from were like just, 2011 that were yeah. only in 2011. Like, where are they? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and and that's what bo- like for instance, like when I say where are they? When I see Slim Thug, mm-hmm. you see Slim Thug. Like Slim Thug is still riding in in uh, a wraith, and yeah. right. he still looks the part. Yeah. Right. But name one of the Dem franchise boys. Right. It's my point to you. Yeah. I mean, besides Jizzle Man, is the, France, <laughs> the Laffy Taffy. Right. Mm. Like where else? Where that, where is Fabo? Where right? So yeah. so my point is, the record labels it's it's turned into a fast business now. So they don't really care about that because they want to get as much money out of it as possible. Mm-hmm. Right. So you know, to your point, when you take out the, the development process, that's what you're doing. You're gonna get a quick lick, and then you're down, and it's over. And so where where are you moving to after Cassie? Oh, so after Cassie, you know, I landed a recording deal for Corte Ellis with Steve Rifkin. Mm-hmm. So I was working on that project. We got a song deal for the Soul Diggers. I was able to uh, re- restructure their publishing deal at Warner Chapel with a good friend of mine, Chris Hicks, when he worked there at that point, before he went to Def Jam and was a president over there. So, you know, I just did a, a gang of stuff with them. And again, I was just building new relationships, building new relationships, worked on Cortez's album. So the, the 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 trick there is that Cort so Steve and Sylvia Rohn didn't get along. <laughs> so weird. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's not news to anybody. Yeah. But anyway, they couldn't get along. So Corte being an R and B artist and Steve Rifkin being on a, a rap label and you know he had a success with Akon, unbelievable mm-hmm. success. So Akon stuff you can't talk. You can talk to him. Sylvia can talk to him. But anything outside that that hasn't really peaked yet, mm-hmm. she had a voice in. So based on the fact that they couldn't get along, and Corte and you know he got frustrated, that deal just fell apart. So now I'm like, you know, I'm not really scratching my head because I'm like, in in the midst of all that, I'm still like placing beats and figuring things out. And I started doing some stuff with uh, Joey. 
Joey Ae. Mm-hmm. So Joey worked at Warner Brothers. Yeah. Right? Joey called me one day and was like, yo, yo, come by the office. I want to play some stuff. Play him some Gucci Man stuff. Joey and Todd. Mm-hmm. But I'm meeting with Joey and he's like, yo, man, it's crazy. It's Gucci stuff. I, you know, only my only issue we having is Gucci wants to work with this one and want that one. And he really wants to work with Swiss Beats. I'm like, Swiss? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. now mind you, Swiss is my man. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Swiss comes to my my daughter's party like every year I, mean, I have BX a birthday stand party stand up yeah 100% yeah. yeah 100% so but but I know Swiss through D and he mm-hmm. and I we formed our own relationship and we became super tight so so I'm like oh you need Swiss and he's like yeah we've been trying to call this guy for like six months or whatever we couldn't get him so mind you this was a Thursday <laughs> the Friday I came to see Joey again I was like I think I can make it happen what do you when are you trying to do it he's like we're trying to do it right away so Friday I had a conversation with Swiss on Friday, and Swiss was in Atlanta on Tuesday. <laughs> you want to know why he wanted to get it done right away? Because it was Gucci time. It was Gucci. <laughs> yeah. It was Gucci time. <laughs> exactly. You know your shit. So, so based on how fast I was able to make that situation work, mm-hmm. that's when Joey said, "Yo, Ty, we should. You know, we got to bring him in. We got to figure. You know, figure, let's figure what." He could do with us, figure what projects he could be a part of and, and you know, use his help with. He brought me in and I started, I was a consultant for Warner Brothers at this point. Mm-hmm. And I worked on uh, on Walker's project. Oh, man. Yeah, so. That first project. 100%. Yeah. 100%. So Waka, uh, you know, again, you know, that record, he did a lot of that stuff on his own. Mm-hmm. So, but I knew Walker from his uncles. Like, Bimmy is a close friend of mine, and Walker's from Queens. Even though he grew up in Atlanta, he's right. from Queens. So, yeah. he still spends a lot of time in Queens. I have a lot of good relationships in Queens. So, he and I, you know, we gelled and he remembered me from back in the hood. So, it was it was just like the easiest transition possible. So, I didn't really have to do much but say, oh, I would do this. Mm-hmm. And then it was like 25 songs. We narrowed it down to like 16 songs. I told them some of my favorites. They said their favorites. And it was a lot, but I was able to deal with Deb because his mother's mm-hmm. like... Mm-hmm. Something else. She's something she's a G. special. Yeah, she's right. a G. And you got to respect her handle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, her being a woman, you got to respect her handle. So... There was Fast a great forward, picture, by the way, in Joey's office at uh, at Warner yeah. of of Deb giving giving the finger yeah. <laughs> yeah. to the lens. Framed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, That's how she feels. <laughs> how great was it watching him do his ad libs? You know what? Believe it or not, w- Waka does ad libs all day long. Oh. Like you'll be talking like, "Hey, hey, hey, Rich It's like, "What? Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about?" Bow, 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 bow. bow. <laughs> Waka's a wild beast. Waka's a wild beast. <laughs> you're you're working for Warner. You work 100%. with Waka? Waka. I bought Currency in. Yeah. Currency. I worked on Currency. I worked on Kirko Bangs. Mm-hmm. Yep. I worked on Justine Oh, so you worked Sky. on Drake. <laughs> <laughs> That's foul. <laughs> yeah. But keep in mind, you know, but Kirko is from Houston. Right. To his right. defense. Yes. Yeah. He is from Houston. I'm kidding. Oh, my God. But, yeah. Well, let's talk about Currency for a second. Uh, currency uh, had been... You know, a, on a, a, yeah, doing a million him. different things. 100%. But he had finally focused on this amazing career of of touring the way he wanted to, putting That's albums correct. out the way he wanted to, and building up a legitimate um, audience that was specific to him all That's around correct. the country. That's correct. And he still, you know, you guys made him a deal that he couldn't turn down. Yeah, that's correct. And I remember the video, too, where he, he bought a um a, a blue Ferrari yeah. based off that deal. Yeah. 
and yeah. uh, and so you brought him and Musa into the into the 100%, family. One hundred percent. What did you see in in a guy who was doing it independent and so well? Yeah. Now with major backing. So you know, for me, this goes to what we talked about initially about supporting. Us supporting like tickets, like your friends buying your tickets. I went to three shows with Currency, one in like Chicago, one in Houston, and I forget another one. I don't remember what other one. It might have been like Wisconsin or some shit. I don't know what it was, but in each particular place, this man had 1,000 people there mm-hmm. without a record at the radio. Right. <laughs> so in my mind, I'm like, damn. If I could bring him in this building and we give him a monster record and he impacts radio, mm-hmm. the rooms go from 1,000 to 25 to 3,500. And I look like a genius to the building because this guy already has a following. We just, we just amplified it. Amplified yeah. and, you know, pumped steroids into his business already. Yeah. And, you know, that was the goal. And, and we were on our way. You know, I, the first one of the first sessions I did for him, we were in Atlanta and we had Mike Will in there, believe it or not. Hmm. Before Mike Will blew. Right. So Mike Will came one day. He just came every day and was just hanging out with us before he is what he is now. Crazy. Mike Will. But I don't think none of the tracks worked for whatever reason. Then, you know, I guess my favorite recording was Currency and Pharrell. Because mm-hmm. Currency's, Currency's favorite producer is Pharrell. Hmm. So to be able to, to get... Pharrell and Currency together, that was like, you know, that was, and Pharrell's one of my favorite producers and just one of my favorite people in the business all around. He's just like a great person. Did you tell him about the Teddy Riley experience? <laughs> you know what? I didn't tell him about that experience, but the crazy thing is, I had the same experience with him. Oh. <laughs> so so we, we did a Currency record. And forgive my, like, again, yeah. I forget the name of the record. I'm so, I should shoot myself. <laughs> anyway, the record is, to me, the record, the record feels a smash on the two track. So then <laughs> Pharrell was pressed for time because he was leaving. So we had to give him, he had to relay the beat. And when he relayed the beat, it didn't sound like the two track. Because hmm. what he said was, what he was feeling at that moment was that. Right. But now this is what he feels. And this is what it should sound like. That how, sounds like very Pharrellish. Yeah. You know? like, <laughs> how pissed were you? Man. Let's just say this. Let's just say his rate at that point was let's say if it was seventy five thousand, he charged us thirty five thousand. So I appreciated that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just a Pharrell beat says a lot. It, it you know, it validates us in a certain market and, and just in the to the community, in my opinion. Right. But radio and our radio team couldn't get that record at mm-hmm. radio, so it didn't really work out. Was that your favor. first time working with Pharrell? Yeah. That was my first time physically, like, me saying, yo, Pharrell, this is what I need from you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, Pharrell's my guy. Like, mm-hmm. if I, you know, it's not as easy to get him on the phone, but when I get him on the phone, mm-hmm. the, the most, not, I had him, so when I was at Warner, you know, Jason Derulo, mm-hmm. they asked me to help. Jason's manager is my, my guy, Frank. He asked me to help him. He's like, yo, Nige, we need to get more urban because... They don't fuck with us on the urban side. So I'm like, yo, I know who you should get what well, you should get with Pharrell. But this is before the uh, the Robin Thicke record and mm-hmm. the Dap, you know, all that shit start coming back around. Yeah. So I'm like, Pharrell got some shit. So mind you, today I have five records. Pharrell went into a studio with Jason Derulo without being paid. 
So usually when you when Pharrell works, you got to cut him his front end, yeah. negotiate that, and then you, he gets his back end. He gets paid even if you don't like it. Right. Or he'll get his front end. So if yeah. you don't like the record, doesn't matter. I got my front end. Yeah. He went to the store. He worked this man five days on the strength of me and his relationship. Wow. Five days. Wow. And then Jason heard the records. I'm talking about monster. One record was such a monster that game heard it and put a verse on it like yo i don't even want no money just i just want to be on that song wow that's amazing and you know the people that the team at warner brothers didn't feel like those records worked for jason they felt like they even were a little with, too urban even with game on there um <laughs> uh how much do you love it when jason derulo says his name at the top of every track <laughs> Jason Derulo. <laughs> what I can say, Jason's a nice guy. Yeah. So that that was that's a cool that was a cool collaboration too to see. Like I have the video on my phone of Pharrell and Jason like collaborating and him telling them how to do it, the riffs and sing. That was that was an amazing combination. When you were going around the country, oh, oh I'm sorry, Puff and Grace Jones. I was in the studio what? with what? Puff and Grace Jones. Yeah. When and where? This was. Uh, we hung out. We actually were in the we were in the studio together in the Bahamas. Sure. And then we were in the studio together, too, in Daddy's house. So her and I were both Tauruses. Her birthday is the 19th of uh, May, and I'm the 20th of May. So that was a cool You are one and the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 100%. Oh, my God. As I'm thinking yeah. back now. Grace Jones. That's amazing. When What era was this? Seven two thousand eight. Doesn't oh, matter. She's yeah. still Grace Jones. No, like, no, yeah. I'm saying it's maybe amazing. even sooner than that. I have the pi- I I take pictures, so I just keep them somewhere. So I got to look through the pictures. I have some cool shit in there. So when you traveled around the country and you're going to see um, currency in three different cities, yeah. are you like a college coach recruiting someone? Where you like that's a fact. You got to go in and make sure you shake his hand. And I was here. Yeah, but but keep in mind, I was so again. So let me go backwards. So I met currency. When he was the first artist on Young Money. Whoa. So this is like 2007. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were working. Out of, him and Wayne mm-hmm. had two rooms at Chung King Studio yeah. downtown. So they were up there. And it's very rare that Lil Wayne is in New York, by the way. Yeah. 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 But before he was okay being here. Yeah. Because right? yeah. remember, he shot some videos in Harlem. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. He was like. So I met, I met Currency at that point, And I gave him some of our beats. Some of these Soul Digger beats. And he used some of those beats on a mixtape and just put them out. <laughs> so he remembered me from then. So when we connected again, he was like, oh, bro, I know. I'm like, bro, you know you owe me. First thing I said to him, what's up? Yeah. Like, what's up, my? Yo, yo, what's up? I'm like, yo, you know you owe me some money, right? <laughs> those beats that you just put on a mixtape, I get 10000 per track, bro. So you in for 20000 me, man. What, you tell me what's up. Right. But we just made a joke And then you ended up giving him a whole lot of money, so. That's my point. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, I got to call him because I see he's giving out these Jet Life chains. I didn't get one yet, but, mm. you know. Gotta, he owes us a Rockefeller chain. He does. He does. Yeah, yeah he yeah. promised us that. Really? Yeah. We, he, came he, on the, he still has that. He I came on the podcast, and we, and we ended with, we were like, look. We want to get that Rockefeller, and he, he was like, it. he was like, no, like I next time I'm in New York, I will yeah. absolutely give it to you. Yeah, yeah. So he still, so he still owes us that. Yeah, right? so he he owes both of us some chains. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's, go, let's go, let's go, we should go collect. collect. Yeah, we gotta send a message before we leave. We're gonna do a message, man. We're oh, most chains, definitely. Man. What rappers are you friends with that you haven't actually like, worked with? Ooh, great question. It's yeah. the real. So, <laughs> so Fifty and I are like super tight. You know what I mean? Like Fifth is. I did something for 50 one time, and he offered me some money. Long story short, somebody, he needed something. I connected him with somebody. He paid somebody like 20 grand for it or whatever it was, 25,000. And him paying, the lady came in 
with two envelopes. So he gave him, it was like, nice stack. And he had another one. And he, he's like, yo, nah, just for you. I'm like, nah, I'm good. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, I'm like, nah, hold on, I'm good. You know, I'll figure one, you know, I'll figure it out. I'm good. Mm-hmm. So I left that day. And then I'm talking about, he saw five different dudes I know. And he said, yo, nah, it's like, Fifth has so much respect for you because he said you, you were one of the only guys that ever came in his office and he offered money to, and you didn't take the money. <laughs> so for me, though, I don't, you know, all money's not good money. And if I look at you like my friend, we don't have to make money. We could kind of figure out what makes sense. Mm-hmm. So now, based on, you know, those actions, anytime I see him or anytime I need him for something, like, it's done on the spot. I need him to take a meeting. Just, I called him. Some people flew him from Chicago. They had, a uh, like, a play that... They thought it made sense for him. Mm-hmm. I didn't even really sift through it to see what it was, but he's like, "Yo, nah, don't worry, just bring him by." We sat there two hours. It didn't work, but you know, just based on the fact that I didn't take that five or ten grand, whatever right. it was, you right? Know what I mean? So, you know, Fifth is my friend. You know, Jay and I are really, really good friends. We haven't worked together. You know, uh, funny stories. Q-Tip. Q-Tip is one of my guys. Like, <laughs> Fat, you know, we, me and Fat work together, but I have a lot of like close, close friends in the business. But Q-Tip and I have a funny story. So Q-Tip, uh, we work out at, at one of the gyms in Jersey together every now and then. <laughs> Name it. What location? <laughs> Chaos Fitness. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind saying that. I'm not going to tell you the location. But anyway, it's, it's a personalized gym though, so you can't really walk in there. It's like mm. one-on-one training sessions. So we worked out together a couple times and... Funny thing is, he he you know he asks me like we're sitting he's like yo what, what kind of stereo system you have in your house I'm like Samsung what do you mean like the Samsung joint he's like no like what kind of speakers you have and I forget the speakers I had some Bose speakers that was like decent speakers in my house mm-hmm. but like the the you know not the new version of Bose but some really good ones he's like nah you gotta get on this Sonos wave I'm like <laughs> I'm like whoa you what are you plugging in? you working the company you got stock in this shit he's like nah he's but like, yes but, nah but yes yeah 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 I sit on the board so I kinda I'm starting this whole influential line I'm telling them that selective people need to have this this that and third and I'm like word I shit like some free shit alright cool yeah. sound cool <laughs> mind you I, he tells me he asks me how many rooms I got so I have like no, I have a decent little spot. You know, a nice three little, bedrooms, gang, gang of rooms. Yeah, yeah, a nice little studio. You know, <laughs> you know, with, with with stairs that go up and down. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean, like I sleep upstairs or whatever. <laughs> so I tell him this, and I'm like, uh, he's like, all right, cool, I got you. Don't even tell me what you need. I'm I'm just gonna send you a, a, a I'm sending some stuff. So now, mind you, I'm thinking now that he's gonna send me like maybe two or three boxes. Right. I go to my house. I'm in, you know I go to my house and it's like. 12 boxes in front of my door like literally 12 boxes I'm like what the fuck it's an invasion what the fuck so I look and it says someone so I'm like oh this, this guy's crazy <laughs> I call him I'm like yo bro yo thank you but yo you crazy you sent me you show all this for me you sent me 12 boxes he's like actually it should be 4 more so just <laughs> do you have room for 16 boxes yeah, my point so I'm like yo tip thank you bro he said yo I got one even better than that for you did you get the stuff yet I'm like, yeah, like, a gang is here now. He's like, all right, where you at? I'm like, I'm in the crib. He's like, all right, text me address. <laughs> so Tip proceeds to come to my crib and hook up all my sound system, all my speakers in all the rooms, and tunes the rooms for me. So he tuned every room in my house so I know how it's supposed to sound. 
does he know that does he know that Sonos actually auto tunes <laughs> you know, to the uh, <laughs> well to the well, room's dimensions? See, but no, no, no. But but so so look. So I have a play. What is the play one? Right. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah. I have I have two play ones. Right. And then I have the bar. Oh. So so the, the goal is to have the 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 movie effect. So yeah. it kind of like drowns in. So it's it's so weird. I didn't I'm not a technical guy, so I don't know <laughs> what the fuck he was doing, but he's like, Yeah, sit here. You hear that? And I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> it sounds the same, but I'm not telling him. Yeah. He's like, now sit on that side. He's like, You hear that? I'm like, Yeah, I do hear that. <laughs> like, I don't hear shit. Yeah. But the funny thing is like he actually came so they were gonna send somebody from Sonos to do it for me. Yeah. And he ended up doing it for me. Well, he's on the board, so he's yeah, from yeah, Sonos. Yeah. Yeah, um amazing. but but think about this. I grew up listening to Tribe Call Quest. Like yeah. Anita Applebaum was my shit. I used to watch it on Video Music Box. Yeah. 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 To have this man in my house tuning my shit. Yeah, I mean like before he used to be in your house. Now he's like in your house. He's literally in my house. So now now uh Warner and Atlantic have a little bit of like reshuffling. Yeah, they, and all yeah. these Atlantic artists move to Warner. Or no, sorry, all the move Warner to Atlantic. Move to Atlantic. Yeah. yeah. So so what happened was And that happens with the you. Warner Yeah. So Warner, the urban department folded. Right. So what that meant is Atlantic, you know, either said we're gonna take these people or we're gonna let these people go. Mm-hmm. So fortunately I was a part of the people that were they took on, so, and then my my artists that I had there became my projects on Atlantic as well. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I forgot to mention I brought Jill Scott into the Warner Brothers system as well. So and I the actually the woman in Jill Scott, the Jill Scott, the and artist. I believe yeah. that was a number one record. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. They gave that that company gave her her first one and gave her her first number one record. Yeah, pretty she good. had a long, great career. So another, you know, little stuff that I don't. I, it's I just no big deal. So, you know, no, you know what? When you have honestly, so many, when you have so many wins, no, it's just tough to keep track. Listen, listen. I, I swear to you. For me, for me, it's like it's all hard work. So mm-hmm. I don't really be like, oh, I did this and I did that. That you know, that means nothing. Yeah, like you're from the Bronx, you're not from Harlem. You know, yeah, you're not out here stunting. No yeah. yeah, I just, just want to be able to say, oh yeah, I forgot, I did do something with that. Oh, I yeah. did do that. So currency. So it was an easy fit for Joey and Todd to see, you know, the business in currency because any artist that could move into any city that he's not from and sell a thousand tickets. That says a lot with no record at radio. Yeah, right. So that means that you you have a business there. That means something's going. Like this guy was doing. In, in merch right you know something along those lines I, yeah. sh- I don't want to put his business out there but these guys do numbers yeah. you know what I'm saying I don't know if it's <laughs> just in case the IRS listen I, I may be wrong about the figure maybe yeah. <laughs> yeah but you know they it's a business there so. right. Jet Life can you talk about what it meant for Justine Sky's record to become a monster maybe a year after it came out I'm yours yeah wow like, so great so, record so, so mind you now the funny story is so I went to a showcase in Brooklyn and I went to go see this girl, Joelle James, a singer, but she's a songwriter also. Beautiful white girl. I shouldn't even say that, but just a beautiful girl. But mm-hmm. she's a white girl, but she mm-hmm. sings like a black girl. She got like, soul. Yeah. I'm talking about like, she got range. Like Jill Unbelievable. Scott. Like, not Jill Scott, <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. She has range. So I'm sitting there like confused because I'm like, why is nobody doing anything with her? So I had a meeting with her. The following day at my office, and we start to talk. We get to talking, and she's playing me. She's giving me the whole rundown because I want to understand what's happening because <laughs> that's how you get a gauge of what, you know, I'm a solution-based person. Mm-hmm. So I want to figure what's happening, so how can I fix or what do I do. Or 
how can I add value? Long story short, she plays me somehow racket. She signed to Chris Brown, this, that, 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 I don't care. She signed Interscope. It's not working out. I'm like, damn, I've got guys over there. I could call for you. She's like, no, this, that, that. She, I'm like, all right, fuck it. Let's hear the music. She's playing me records. She plays me like three records, right? And then she, the fourth record happened to be I'm Yours. Hmm. I'm like, oh, my God, this is a smash. Now, mind you, she wrote it with another person, and then uh, – it was a producer involved that did some writing. So it was like a big melee. Mm-hmm. See, that's the shit that people don't realize. It's so much bullshit that happens behind the business, getting these records done in yeah. place and, and penned up that sometimes, you you know, great records fall by and you'll never hear them because the business can't get done in the right manner. Because yeah. everybody in the room gets a credit. If they were involved. Right, right, right. And depending, like, somebody like me, if I'm just in the room, I get a credit because... I probably threw all the bodies in the room. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So it's the right thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Fast forward, I hear this record. I'm like, wow. Oh my god. <laughs> I have a meeting with Justine and her mom the following day, and I'm like, yo, you guys need to hear this. I play this record for them. They're sitting there like, yeah, I see it. I understand. I'm like, no, no, guys, <laughs> this is a missile, guys. I'm telling you. They're like, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, I like it. So of course, Justine is a writer. Right. So we had to figure out to get her to write a couple, you know, mm-hmm. so she gets her credit. So in. she can make it hers. This <laughs> guy's sharp, man. You guys are brothers, man. It's amazing. So my point is, you know, we had to do that. And, you know, that build, Atlantic didn't sign Justine. So they, you know, it's almost like taking care of a stepchild. Mm-hmm. So that was my project. So I had to rally all the troops in the building to let them realize, like, yo, we have some here. Let's just stick with it. Let's put this record out. Let's put this mixtape out. I'm telling you what we have. But for whatever reason, you know, the business end of it didn't really work out. And the record was blowing up after she left Atlantic. It was already moving in, yeah. a, night man- in a very nice manner. Mm-hmm. But it got even bigger when she wasn't on the label no more. <laughs> so she signed a Rock Nation still you know, singing. The- it, it was- it's weird. And Great record, that's, though. Yeah, that's one, of my, that's one of my babies. Like, I found that record like, yeah, let me get this. You know, you're talking about different records that would somehow, you know, fall by the wayside. But what other records would somehow get picked up by other artists and then become hits that you've seen? <sighs> that I've seen. Damn, I gotta think for I gotta think. Well, you know, I mean everybody knows a story about uh about the umbrella record. You guys know that story, right? No. What do you mean? I might I don't, know, I don't it, think but I, I don't think it. I know it. Really? No. Yeah, so so if I'm not mistaken, Umbrella, because at this point Shakir Stewart was a really, really good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. So I used to just hang out with Shake in his office. He was the president of Def Jam. Of Def Jam. God bless his dad. Yeah. So I feel like Umbrella was supposed to be Christina Milian's record, and Christina Milian said no to that record. <laughs> but, you know, again, I can't, you know, I know I heard it, and I know it was supposed to be for this person, and somebody didn't take it, but I may be saying too much. But I, I would ask, I got to think about that. I got to think about what records I heard that just fell. I'm telling you, these Jason Derulo records I have that Pharrell wrote are monster records. And they're just sitting in my computer. Pharrell said he placed them, but I don't know. And then they call me they call me like six months after that and say, you're not. Do you think we could get those Pharrell records? I call Pharrell. Pharrell just started laughing. <laughs> just laughing on the phone. I'm like, what's up? You're right here. Like, yeah. How about tell them never going to happen? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I don't think, I don't think Pharrell and 
Jason would ever work together. <laughs> and no reason, no no fault to Jason, just right. the, the way the business played out. I don't think he's he's a fan of working with him again. So so uh, you you left Atlantic Records and now you are managing artists. Yeah, but so funny thing is a part of my deal when, when I signed my contract at Atlantic, you have to like present all the things you're working on to them. So I've always managed artists. I, I manage some uh, video directors. They're called Itchy House. Mm-hmm. They shoot a lot of cool videos for a couple cool artists. So I was working with them, you know, my deal with Vado and, and Khaled. And, you know, I just have a, a couple other little baby things I'm developing on my own. You know, a girl from uh, Long Island, her name is uh, Gabrielle Ross. I'm developing her now. Uh, so you have to divulge that information and give them the option to say, okay, we want to participate in this for this fee or we want to do that. And then it's up to you to be like, no, yes, no, or work out the mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. So I was always in the midst of that. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, being in the, 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 the mix of those projects, it allows you to have the ability to put a call in and get certain favors done when you need things done because believe it you know this whole business is based on relationships so you may you may know so and so but i may know so and so in another in another space so you may call him for a feature mm-hmm. and then i'll call jeremiah and be like oh, jeremiah i need this or you call jeremiah but i'm almost 100 percent you'll get your feature but i probably can get <laughs> my feature done faster yeah and cheaper <laughs> yeah yeah that's a guarantee because right. you Eric's have like to. his phone call return. <laughs> yeah, he, but you get what I mean. Yeah. So you know, so that is that's the business. So, mm. so uh, what was your original question? <laughs> so now you're managing artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and do you feel more freedom outside of a building? Well, let me say this. You know, I love Atlantic, and you know, I love Julie Greenwall. Love her. She's a beast. You know. I love and respect Craig because Craig is like a music, a real music guy. You know what I mean? So I had the freedom when I was there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, being on your own, it just you just got to tie your shoes a little tighter. You got to, you know, and really strap up and realize that there's no check coming in every two weeks. So when things go bad, it's really your fault. So things go good, it's your fault. So now you just assume a lot more responsibility. So I definitely had the freedom, but I feel a lot more freer. But again, like I said, if I had, you know, if I had a vital situation I had to do in Jamaica, mm-hmm. all I had to do was tell the company I have to move. So, you know, I don't think I feel any more freer. It's just, you know, I just had to tie my shoes up a little tighter to get to where I had to get to. Who is louder on the phone, DJ Khaled or Puff Daddy? Mm. <laughs> See, but Khaled is cool. Khaled would do one of those on you. Like, nah, I'm telling you, <laughs> brother, you gotta hear me out. And, and 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 Puff is Puff is a little more animated. I think he's definitely more animated than Khaled. Um, do you have any uh, white party stories? White party stories. So the funny thing about my white party stories is, you know, they actually set. We actually set the tone that. You're not coming in the white party unless you have on all white because mm-hmm. of us. So what we used to do was we would go to the Hamptons and have a white T-shirt on with jeans and, you know, green sneakers. Just right. break all the code. Just right. a white T-shirt. So then when the party's going off, we just in our tank and whatever. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So one particular one particular year, I remember we were we were riding to the party. Now, mind you, these parties, I've seen like Donna Karen on the outside, you know, uh, 
What's Trump's first wife, Ivana? Uh, yeah, Ivana Trump. Yeah. Ivana Trump yeah. waiting outside to get in his party. Like this guy. Well, was she wearing white? Real, <laughs> all white. Okay. And I had on a white t-shirt and red sweatpants and got <laughs> in the party before her. You were the juice. Yeah. I, had the juice. I had the juice. So now, fast forward. I remember one summer we're going to the party, and you know we're texting people and people not really responding. So we're like, "What the fuck is going on?" We call like Puff's head of security is one of my longtime friends. His name is Uncle Paulie. So I'm like, yo, Paulie, what the fuck is going on? Nobody answered. He's like, yo, bro, listen, I can't talk to you now, but call so-and-so. I call so-and-so, and they're like, yo, listen, Naj, you, Tone, your whole crew, if you guys don't have all white on, you're not getting this party. I'm talking about, like, your socks got to be white. Everything has to be, your belt has to be white. And I'm like, yo, but what are you talking about? He's like, no, Puff made a band. It's because of you guys, because you guys always come to these parties with a white tank top or a white hat. Picture somebody wearing all blue <laughs> with a white hat on. Say so like, yo, from, from moving forward, if the, if the people don't have all white on, the guests don't have all white, they can't come to the party. Oh, my God. So we set the tone for the all white. And here you said that you don't like standing out. <laughs> you know what I mean? But no, no, no. What I said is I don't like the attention. Right. right. I don't well, like you're the getting attention. a lot of attention when you're blending. But keep in mind, once you're in those parties, everything is the food is free, the alcohol is free, so you're mm -hmm. not really paying attention to what anybody has on. Somebody can have all black on. You don't give a fuck. Uh, uh, Nigel, if you were a good friend, you would go in there and buy those drinks because you support your friend Puff. Yo. I support him. I drink a lot of Syrah. Yo. <laughs> Congratulations for for getting out of the. The Bronx for for building up artists, for building your whole career, and for becoming the man you are today. Man, like again, I think we all have it in us, but some people just gotta really just say this, how bad do you want it. Because at the end of the day, you know, I'm not mad at my mom that I wasn't born with uh, a silver spoon, but I could only be mad at myself if I go out and I don't have that silver spoon or that gold spoon in my, my mouth or my family's mouth so you know that's just my take on it like we gotta go get to it you know stop talking about it stop complaining stop crying tie your shoes up tight walk up to figure the, the plan to the out principal and, and tell him hi i'm nigel Say, hey listen you're a brand just keep in mind you're a brand and and if you if you conduct yourself as a brand i give out good energy because i want good energy back people respect brands so if it's a brand you can trust you feel comfortable with doing business with that brand that's how I look Congratulations. Hey. Thanks so much for coming through. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of Waste of Time with It's The Real Jeff. If people want to find out more about us, more about this podcast, and more about everything that's going on in our lives, where can they go? You can always ask our mom. She probably knows what's going on. She does. But you can also go to SoundCloud.com slash A Waste of Time. Check out all of our old episodes there. You can also go to SoundCloud.com slash It's The Real to check out all of our music. Yes. We are also on iTunes. Search for A Waste of Time with It's The Real. And, uh, you know, leave a five-star rating if you can. Please. And a comment. Yeah, why not? Not asking too much. We're um, also we're also everywhere else, right? Yes, you can go to Twitter at It's The Real, Facebook at It's The Real, Instagram at It's The Real. On Snapchat, we are not It's The Real. Stop following It's The Real <laughs> on Snapchat. We are It's It's The Real and It's The Real Eric. Thank you, everyone, by the way, who has submitted to the Wikipedia page. We are now on Wikipedia. Shout out to Michael Sanchez for starting it. 
and shout out to everybody else who has worked on it. We really appreciate our history being on the internet. Jeff, you know what time it is. Gucci time. It's Gucci time. This podcast doesn't grow unless we start telling people to tell their people to tell their people. And it all starts with us. So do you have any people that you want to tell about this podcast right now? I have so many people I want to tell. Um, but I'm just going to tell John Wexler for now. John Wexler, our guy over at Adidas. Shouts to him. Shouts to all the people who dove into my comments thinking <laughs> that I'm not friends with John Wexler. Um I'm friends with John Wexler. That's shout it, out to all of those people, and those people should listen to the podcast and yeah. spread the word. I would like to shout out our friend, Mary H.K. Choi, who we had on the podcast. I hope everyone listens to that episode back in the archives at uh, soundcloud.com slash waste of time. But also, because we were asked about what podcast we listened to in the 100th episode of our podcast, and unfortunately, we left her podcast, Hey, Cool Job off our list and it's really a great podcast our friend nick catchdubs who's also been on our podcast was a guest on hers recently he's uh one of the co-founders of fool's gold and it's a great episode and i hope people go over and listen to her podcast yeah also speaking of podcasts that uh, people should listen to the cypher podcast with sean satero shout out to sean is one of the best podcasts out there sean is a fount of knowledge he is and he does his homework and is a true professional. Uh, he's done writing over at Forbes. He was at Genius very early. And we are going to be guesting on there. Yeah, but even besides those, like, it, it's such a good podcast. You should definitely listen to The Cypher. That's with the that's C-I-P-H-E-R, The Cypher. He's so good. Shout out to Sean Sotero. Jeff, we're back again with another episode tomorrow, aren't we? Yeah, we're coming back with Mike Carson. The February surprise continues. Nah, for real, for real.